0: So, uh, championship-winning monogram model builder, fake DEA informant, ooh, and Senate bankroller, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bruce Canabro. If you could describe this dinner we just had in one word, what would it be? Flat out.
2: Damn, that's good. That's no, actually pretty good. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's two words though. Technically, so two. you can write it as one. It's the new world.
1: And now for Dinner with Racers presented by Continental Tire with your hosts Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman.
0: Play holder radio sound. <laughs>
1: Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley. I'm Sean Eckman. And we are currently headed back to Atlanta from Hilton Head, South Carolina. We did a quick day trip down there for the Grand Motoring Film Festival to showcase our episode, Bumped, which we put out last year. But that's not what we're talking about now. Now, we're talking about podcasts. It's a podcast. Now, traditionally, we talk to household names in sports car racing, NASCAR, IndyCar, you name it. But when the opportunity came to sit down with the legendary Bruce Canepa just after one of our races out in California, we had to get it done and we got a full tour of a shop and it was one of the coolest things we've seen in a long time.
0: Now, Bruce Canapa may not necessarily be a household name to people outside of, say, the vintage and the car circles, but if you want to talk about racers, Bruce Canapa definitely qualifies. He is arguably the name in historic racing today. His shop, which is called Canapa Design, is world renowned as the place to take your high, 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 high-end vintage streetcar, vintage race car, let him and his service of, of folks bring it back to a level that only quite to be blunt Canapa can do. And if you are somebody who enjoys things like the Concorde, the Monterey Historics, that sort of thing, Canapa is the guy at all of those events.
1: Yeah, we're talking going, Mercedes, uh, Porsche 959s, he's like the Porsche 959 guru on the planet. It's an incredible shop. And he's also so knowledgeable and so enthusiastic that if you're ever in the area, please check it out. Try to get a tour. It is worth every minute. And as you'll learn
0: in this podcast, he's also a racer in his own right. He did uh, a lot of dirt racing and, and uh, road racing and, and in his day did did try to, to go down the traditional racing path, uh, but just sort of found his place in, in this type of world.
1: Now, it's not uncommon for us to meet with somebody like Bruce at their shop because they are nonstop working. And this was exactly what the case was. We got takeout from Back Nine Grill and Bar in Santa Cruz. And we had lunch in their lunch room where the guys eat during the day in between working yep. on
0: all these crazy cars. Yeah, like literally as we're in his uh, in his shop in Scotts Valley, California, like one of the guys came in and like microwaved his soup <laughs> exactly. while, we were, while we were getting sandwiches together.
1: Yeah, so it was one of those kind of experiences. But uh, honestly, I don't think I would have liked it as much if it had been in a restaurant because just all the ambience over his shoulder on these giant racks are like golf 917s, the Coca-Cola 962 my dad raced. Like, like so much history in this building that that alone was worth going and sitting down with Bruce. So beyond the visuals that you can't see, Uh, Here are some things you're going to hear about. His real opinion on Santa Cruz, California.
0: And again, he's in Scotts Valley, California. Totally different. Big deal. Totally different. different. Yeah. We hear about him calling in the feds.
1: And how he is absolutely fine being a complete pain in the ass. You know who's not a pain in the ass? The fine folks at Continental Tire. Yes. They make our tires do the thing. Continental
0: Tire. The smart choice in tires. It's the light within you. (laughs) That's it, right? It's not their love? No. 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 Smart choice in tires.
1: The smart choice in tires. Yeah, yeah, I know, I got it. How did we get there? Because we were racing, both of us were racing at Laguna Seca. Yep. And uh, I got a podium and you got one of the best results of the season yeah. for Magnus with we your strategy call. led half the race. That was a big B4. deal for yeah. And then we were like, hey, how do we extend this trip even longer? We run into Seabass. Yep. And he's like, yeah, I'll drive you guys up there. What do you say about that, Sebastian? C'est quoi cette odeur? Well, I don't know about all that, but I do know. That this is Bruce Canapa.
0: Meow. 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 All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. Here hey, we go. how are you? Here we are. We good. waste no time. Let's put that on. Yeah. Crazy good. Crazy good.
1: Not as good. So <laughs> First question I have is what's in that mug? Cranberry, cran
2: apple juice. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Is that,
0: is that the thing? It is for me. Okay. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, okay, so you brought uh, shortbread rounds yeah. and threw it on the table at us, saying yeah. we want cookies. Is this is this your thing? Like you can't go anywhere
2: without your cookies? No. So I don't leave my office for lunch. Okay. I don't leave my office for dinner. Okay. Unless I'm gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Lisa has lunch for me, and Lisa has dinner for me. So okay. So that's her deal. Because my day keep you fed. well, my day is starts at seven, ends at eight. Sure. Okay. Nine. Yeah. yeah and then I go home with two hours of work. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> so, I totally understand that's that. That's how it works. Now, you with, can't get this stuff done like this out here if you don't do that. To oh, well, with the, the level of detail, of, detail You're right. of what we're doing is... Right.
0: Now, when you say Lisa brings you food, is this a matter of you don't want to have to deal with the time to get food or that you'll literally forget if it's not put in front of you?
2: Um, both. Okay. Yeah. I
0: mean, I, I'm very guilty of the forgetting thing. It doesn't yeah. look like it. Yeah, no, I'll but, forget.
2: like the other day I was at the racetrack, and at 3.30, I said, I haven't eaten today, so even there, so... Yeah, and then she just she knows what I what I like to eat and pretty simple and she knows what I like to eat and so it's kind of repetitive. Okay. That makes it easy. I don't have to think yeah, about it. Yeah, no decisions. It. There no, it, I understand it is. that. Yeah, yeah. You know, one day okay. it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and it then it's you know, a chicken sandwich and we, we're speaking the same language yeah. now.
0: Okay. That's that's my deal right now. Yeah. So
2: So you're from here in Scotts Valley originally? Yeah, I was born in Santa Cruz. Okay. Yeah, in this county and my dad my dad's family. His parents came from Italy and he was here since he was a kid and they were fishermen that family and then he went off he went to World War Two, flew B seventeens and B twenty nines. And he made it back. Did both both yeah, he went went to Germany and then he went to the other theater yeah. and, and did that B twenty nines. Came home. Yeah. And uh, went to work for his <laughs> sisters. He had he had eight brothers and sisters and his sister's husband was a Packer dealer. So he went to work for him and Packard and, is in the car. Yeah, okay. it was at one point they thought it was. <laughs> Basically, went there sweeping floors, and by the '60s he had, I think, four franchises or so on of his own. So he
0: went from sweeping floors to having dealerships. Yeah,
2: okay. and then when and when I was a kid, I he put me through the same routine. Oh. you
1: had to fly P-17s.
2: No, I didn't you know. do that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, funny part was I was told he he taught himself how to fly with some little like like a Piper Cub kind of thing, something you know. Something that was sitting in Capitola where he lived and had been in a field or something, and right. he taught himself how to get it off the ground for fun. Yeah, are <laughs> things you do. Yeah. yeah, everybody does that, right? Right,
3: yeah.
0: So you were born 1950? 19... I grew up just a couple hours north, in, or really an hour north in San Bruno. Um, and I know Santa Cruz from when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s. Right. <laughs> how did 1950s, 1960s Santa Cruz compare?
2: Oh, it's, once the university got going, everything changed here. UC Santa Cruz. Yeah. The banana slugs. It, it was a normal town. Til, <laughs> til they what are you came saying along. now, Bruce Canapa? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You heard what I said. <laughs> Double down. <laughs>
0: and that's not how it was in the 50s.
2: No. It was a pretty normal town. It was it was almost like a Midwest town on the beach, you know? Okay. A bunch of hardworking people and... And you knew university obviously it, it got big here and took over the politics and everything. So exactly. that's why I came to Scotts Valley, got out of San Cruz because here it's completely different. Okay.
0: Yeah, because we're basically kind
2: of adjacent city. That's yeah. a little bit more upscale. So,
1: so as a kid, when your dad's got the dealership and you start getting put through the same thing, like how old are you before
2: you start start getting your hands dirty? Well, I literally loved cars when I was dad says like four because back then you could stand up in the front seat. There were no seatbelts. Remember you don't remember that, but there were no seatbelts and. I could name. He said I could name every car coming at us, and uh, and I wanted no to go. No seatbelt. You could identify exactly. how we we're gonna go. Yeah. yeah. And um, I uh, I wanted to go to his shop by the time I was ten, and about twelve he, he let me come after school and start working, and and I did. You know, I look back and it's the best thing that happened, But I started sweeping floors. Yeah. And then when I did that, perfect. And I was. I was obviously a perfectionist about everything. You know, a long time ago, my little models won all the contests. You know, <laughs> but basically, I swept floors, and when I did that, perfect and stuff. And then I got to learn how to wash cars, and I got to learn how to detail cars, and I got to go to the body shop. Mm-hmm. And, and I spent, I spent what people you know call, you know, apprenticeship and journeyship, journeyman. You know, I, I worked after school and all that stuff from the time I was twelve, thirteen till till i left him in 81 when i went started my own dealerships and stuff so and i you know i ran the used car lot and then sales department and then the dealership and and uh did all of it so so the story i read was that
1: your dad basically like put down i'd say like credit for you for working to get a car to get your first car is that he did okay way of putting it yeah like basically
2: like you're working your ass off i'll get you the car yeah okay and then i had to I had to pay for any maintenance. I had to pay for insurance. I had to pay the interest because cars in a new car dealership are on a flooring account, you know. Okay. So it's what it's, does that mean? Well, a, a bank will give you, or the manufacturer will give you ten million dollars worth of flooring credit. Oh, as a dealership, as a yeah. dealership, yeah. Yeah. okay. And you yeah. just pay the interest on it. So, and it, in twelve months, one way or the other, the car's got to be off the flooring account. Dad said if you if you lose money on the car, you have got to pay the difference. And uh, if you make money, well, everybody wanted my cars. I ordered the coolest cars. I think the first thing I ordered was like a. 65 comet i was 15. yeah and i but i sent it had it sent over to holman moody and put a 427 (laughs) in it and when it showed up on the transporter out in front of his place um it was the only one with no vinyl top and these little baby hubcaps on it wall tires you know everything else was shiny and my dad thought it was you know not coming here it wasn't coming to his place yeah he walked out there, and the window sticker on it was more than a Lincoln. <laughs> and he tells the guy, take that back. We're not taking it. And the guy says, I can't take it back. Right.
0: This is here. Yeah.
2: Anyway, and I sold it and made lots of money. <laughs> so everybody wanted those cars I had.
0: Yeah. So even it, when it came like the first car, the idea of always go for the premium was was very much your mindset.
2: Well, the premium then was about performance, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I never did things really exactly like everybody else. I had another vision of what stuff should be.
1: Okay, Is it the thrill of the sale for
2: you or is it
1: like because obviously I know you like cars but it sounds like you took as much interest in changing them pretty quickly even at an early age and then flipping it.
2: Well for me I love all kinds of cars and I have since I was a kid. It could be a Ford, a Chevy it could be all kinds of things. But My dad was a Lincoln Mercury and he mm. had BMW, and he had... Now, were these Santa Cruz dealerships or all yeah, around the Bay Area? Santa Cruz. Okay. For me, it was always how to make the thing better looking, cooler. Yeah. You know, starting with the color I ordered, the options, and then changing everything. And I think I've changed every car I've ever owned. I believe I that. Guess, yeah. I guess Ryan's question on
0: that is, if you're looking at that, there's two ways you can look at it. You're just, you're either a natural-born detail guy or a natural-born salesman, and if you're a detail guy, the salesman is just sort of a, a byproduct
2: of it. Yeah. I think, and, I, I think for me, it was the, the detail guy. Yeah. And my dad taught me how to be a salesman guy, so trust me, it was not easy to sell Lincolns or (laughs) Mercers.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So one of the most common bits of feedback we have on Bruce Canepa is that he's got a really good idea for detail and changes and customizations. And so it started even as an early on project for you. You'd get a car, you'd customize it. Where does that come from? Is that something that you see in your dad or your mom, or is it completely unique to you?
2: I don't even know. I was an artist when I was a kid. Oh, really? In school. Yeah. There's, There's drawings in here in my... My studio, my mom kept a bunch of stuff, thank God, but my original drawings when I was, like, 12 were in there. And, of course, the teachers were mad because I was supposed to draw buildings or houses or whatever they tell you to draw, you know? yeah. And you drew cars. cars. Yeah. So I'm drawing things to look like Ed Roth, you know, and this crazy cars and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but that started early. And then models, you know, back then, models was a big deal, right? Yeah, you you mentioned this
0: earlier, and I saw this in, in a few interviews that I read up on. You You said that you would... Build model cars and win all the contests was the quote. Yeah, I did. So I don't know what this is, and I want to know what a, what a model car is. So, would well, you buy a model car? Right. right so, there, there's less model car, car culture today among kids, yeah. I would argue. But, well, really?
2: <laughs> but, you know, like the, the, well, I don't know if it's. Well, oh, t- back then you yeah. had Ravel and Monogram right. and all these companies. Right. And the model came and it was a white plastic body, and, right. a bunch and it's of like parts. a 118 scale, whatever. Yeah, 124th, right. whatever. Yeah. And I would modify the whole car.
0: Oh, so you're not building it as it's given to you in the kit? Hell no! <laughs> okay, you're making it into your version oh no. of this thing. And my dad he? had a
2: body shop, so I could mold it. I could paint it with cool lacquer paints. Right. I could do all kinds of things with it. So, but what is it? Con- what is when you say all the contests? I don't know what. What is a model well, car they, contest? Well, they had model car contests. We had big hobby shops. Okay. Even in Santa Cruz, it was like two of them, and and they'd have contests. And then you'd go to this other place in San Jose, and they had a bigger one. So you'd bring your model there, and they you know show them all off and give you know two dollar trophies to everybody. So dad sells American
1: cars you get the idea you want to start selling cars yourself now are you trying to plead with him to sell Mercedes and stuff or is that something you do on your own
2: when I was 19 he took in a Porsche and really at that time the worst 911 a 68 911 L from a doctor in Carmel and the doctor bought a Lincoln okay. traded it in I snuck it off the lot at night off the used car lot went and drove it the next night and the next night and the next night it was pretty funny because the used car manager was a bit of an alcoholic. Bill kept trying to figure out what the mileage was on it because he thought for sure it was this. <laughs> but he was never sober enough to really know it was that. <laughs> and in 30 days, I think I put 1,000 miles on nice. that thing at night. Yeah. But, I mean, I fell in love with Porsche when I drove that car. There was no question. And it was just, I was hooked. And told my dad, we should sell these. Started selling them on the used car lot. There's pictures of my dad's used car lot, and, and he built a incredible store in santa cruz because at the time he built a mausoleum
3: okay and everybody
2: said that's not going to work and and with the whole car lot was full of porsches mercedes and bmws yeah so when i think of yeah. a used car lot i yeah. don't think of what you're <laughs> talking about right and but it almost seemed like this is how you had to prove the market well there was no there was no profit in Lincolns and Mercurys in those cars. It just sold them. And all the money the dealership made, I made in the used car department. I ran the used car department, and that's what we sold.
0: So, was this, what was it? Was, it wasn't called Canopy used cars. Was it?
2: No, no, it was, okay. it was Palomar, Lincoln, Mercury, Ford, Lincoln, Mercury, International Trucks. And it was Palomar, was in my dad's company. That was name. his chain, okay. Yeah. So then, when I was running the stores, we got to this point where I said, Dad, the Mercedes dealer was across the street from us in a grocery store. And it was a franchise that was given to the Monterey Mercedes dealer. stall. So
0: it's got nothing to do with you guys.
2: It's nothing to do with us. Right. And and the and the daughter and the son-in-law got it, and they didn't want it. They lived okay. up in. They lived in Berkeley. Okay. He was a, a an instructor at Berkeley. He was like a PhD, and he wanted nothing to do with the car because he didn't want to come look at the place. And so there was a point where I could buy it for almost nothing. Yeah. And I told Dad, Dad, we got to buy this. Nope, I don't want to buy this. I said, Dad, we have to buy this. This French is really the German thing at this point. Yeah, it was hot, yeah. you know. Yeah, and and the other store that was but for his sale, resistance is the German thing. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. and and any and, and the Asian thing because the other store that was available okay. was yeah. the Toyota store. Right. But that if these are the two fronts he bombed on, the, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> <literally> <laughs> fought against. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, really, at that point, my dad and I had been close for a long time, but we split at that point. I went on my own. Okay. And it was the best thing in the world, but. My dad luckily owned properties and stuff, so he was able to, you know, sell off the stores and, yeah. and retire and play on his boat, which was great. The, the market that you created for yourself was your ability to resell these things because you
0: did the very thing that you were doing as a 7-year-old as a with monogram models, right? You're yeah. saying, like, here's my car. Here's the things I can do to make it awesome, and I can turn it around for this much more, just like you would with a monogram car winning a contest. But here's my question. When you say the Lincolns don't resell the same way you could with a Merc or a BMW, is it that maybe you as the detail guy wasn't as excited? Well, I wasn't
2: excited. Right. And I have to be excited about something or I can't sell
0: it. And that's, that's my point. Is like looking at this shop, this is built by a guy that's excited about what he's doing and a Lincoln is simply not exciting.
2: Sorry, Lincoln. <laughs> Until Ford
0: sponsors this show and now they're great. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but my point is like I have a feeling you only do it if it's exciting. And a Lincoln or Mercury is simply not ex- exciting at that time.
2: I sell with passion. Right. So if I don't have a passion for it. I'm not gonna, you're sell, not gonna it. sell it
0: because ultimately it's your product that you're selling. Yeah, to you. I,
2: and by the time I was 30, I had enough car experience to know good shit from bad shit for the most part. Yeah, so.
0: I believe sales can come from a couple of different tactics, but um, some people can sell because they're really good at reading a person, saying, here's what I can do to, to kind of poke holes in this person and get them to like what I'm doing. Other people sell because they feel the enthusiasm off the guy selling or girl. Um, and in your case, I think it's your enthusiasm. And I'm guessing that
2: Everybody so. that buys a car from me said, I bought it because of your enthusiasm. Yeah. you know, and it's right. just So this is, this makes you know, sense to me. It became so. my enthusiasm and made it yeah. easy. Yeah. So so you split with Dad. I split it down. Amicably? Oh. Like, was it okay? Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it it was it was more so with my dad than my mom. My mom, she said, you leave, you get nothing. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Because I had this deal where I would earned of some value in the company. Yeah. She says, you can't so you're, leave. You're
0: saying, why, why was she so upset by this?
2: She, well, because she knew my brother wasn't the answer for the store, partially. Ah, you know, I see. Well, look, he had zero experience. I mean, there's no way he could all of a sudden know how to run a dealership and, and, um, so she was upset about that. And then, so your dad has spent all this time building this legacy, and you're
0: letting it just go away. Yeah, yeah. That makes so, sense.
2: so basically, I just I went on my own. I opened a body shop because I knew that business really well, and and uh, had a body shop, and I had a little used car lot, little little junky building, and a bunch of used cars, and and really started from scratch because I, I didn't have I didn't have a lot of money. I had enough to do that, but basically, and I started out at a different level. I couldn't go buy used Porsches or Mercedes to start with. So, I bought like Toyota pickup trucks and put cool wheels and tires on them and took off all the silly emblems and, you know, did things like that and, and didn't do the normal junky chromey big wheels. I mean, my wheels were almost all my wheels are graphite metallic. They have been since I was 12. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. But yeah. I was doing that with used cars. I mean, you come to my lot and nothing was stock.
1: Nothing was left alone.
2: It was it's yeah. simple stuff. Uh, you know, and for me, less is more. It was really understated. Mm-hmm. Not. Not a bunch of graphics, not a bunch of junk, just simple. You hear that, Magnus Walker? (laughs) Yeah. Calling you out, I'm Bruce Canna. I am calling him out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice. Anyway, so so that's where I started, and then I worked my way up to Porsches and Mercedes and BMWs, and and then built a dealership around that, and then had some new car dealerships. I ended up with the Porsche Audi BMW store in Monterey, and I ended up with a Mitsubishi store, which was a disaster. Yeah. But I had a uh, Porsche Audi BMW Monterey. I had a Lamborghini Maserati store in Santa Cruz with all the other exotics. Sure. And, uh, and Lamborghini, I liked Lamborghini. Sure. I, Maserati was a piece of shit. You know, right. I mean, it was just...
0: Especially in that era, De yeah. Tomaso.
2: oh my God. It was a joke. And I should have known that because we had Panteras when my dad was a Lincoln Mercury dealer. Yeah. yeah. And the Panteras that went to the East Coast from Italy, they weren't rusted. By the time they went through the Panama Canal and came oh, to this wow, side... wow, that's all it took. They yeah. were, that's all it took. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's, funny. that's okay. all it took. Yeah.
2: Almost every car on the West Coast had to be repainted. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even put primer on those cars. Good guy. He's trying <laughs> to sell these like, supercars. Uh, yeah. 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 He, he made a deal with Ford, yeah. took all the money, and handed him something. Yeah. It was crazy. And I did design work, I did Kenworth's design work for these. and, and um, I did the drawings, which I still have, and took them to Kenworth and they laughed at me when I took them the drawing of that truck like that. yeah. And then when I left the, the salespeople and, the, and all them called me up and they said, "We're not laughing." That was our general manager, who happened to come from Peterbilt, and he, you know, he only knows long nose trucks with big headlights. Yeah, right. So we think you're on to something. So yeah. I ended up doing the first of that truck with Kenworth. Yeah,
1: for the listeners at home, you're pointing out a massive mural of a Kenworth truck, which is like yeah. the cooler-looking ones that you T- see. T600,
2: 1983. Yeah, so it was interesting because when we built it, and they helped us to, they helped us with the money to build the prototype. It was quite, it was interesting because they they didn't want their general manager to know it because he said no. So each department pulled together their twenty five thousand dollar budget yeah, right. to give me enough money and a truck to go build that thing. Yeah, and we built it, and uh, and it went to a major truck show in an isolated booth from Kenworth, but right next door. Yeah, and the first days it was like, what did this guy built? You know, why did he do this? I had hubcaps on the wheels. Those those big discs which yeah. you see on lots of them now right and but they were body color spun aluminum and and all this stuff and guys were looking at this thing and aero strut on the mirror struts and everything and and it was like two days of guys questioning it and third day everybody's like this is cool they kept coming back and by the fourth day kenworth was having posters made for me to sign as fast as i could how cool is that so that truck was a hit you know that fast yeah and uh and the rest is history. Everything's aerodynamic Dale
1: Where does the love for trucks come from? And like, how do you how do you start that venture where you get to the point where you're even sitting down with people that are in charge of it?
2: Well, the love better. for trucks started with my dad because he was an international truck dealer. Okay. And he had and he did mostly vocational trucks: dump trucks, sand transfers, concrete mixers, garbage trucks. It was mostly vocational, not a lot of over the road. Yeah.
1: So then, how do you go from being a car dealer to a guy that's getting
2: even the meeting to design one? Well, um, you just go knock on the door. Okay. Basically I just I drew it and then and I had met a couple of their guys, so I went there and got a meeting and showed them what I thought it could look like. And then I made deals with Kenworth and started getting royalties and stuff on the trucks. And I I actually did a, a, a fair amount of their truck design work from eighty three to ninety eight, all of it.
0: But how are you getting these meetings to get like a
2: yeah. a fifteen
0: hundred car fleet account like with, with Chevy? Like that doesn't come from just I don't know that any dealer in across cross well, country I, can just I knew, get that. I
2: knew who to talk to first because In the beginning, I also had that company that builds trailers in Fresno, Concept. And at that time, in 86, I bought that company in 85 or 86, and it was little, and then they built it up. And by the late 80s, we were the largest supplier of transporters in in the racing industry. There was an article in a magazine where 30 of the cars in Indianapolis were transported in our trucks and trailers. Ah, okay. So, you know, I got to be friends with Roger Penske. I built him his trucks and I don't know trailers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and it was not just him. It was everybody. I mean, yeah. Yeah. AJ. I, said, I, I framed a check from A.J. Foyt. They said, A.J. Foyt doesn't give a check to anybody. I had a big check from A.J. Huh. Foyt. Wait, I, I didn't know that. Why is that? Because he got so much stuff free. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. You, you yeah, want me? Yeah. You want me to do your truck? Give it to me. Right. You want your trailer I'm AJ out there? Floyd. Give yeah. it to me. I'm, yeah, AJ I'm AJ Floyd. Floyd. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, yeah. he was a great promoter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, <laughs> so basically, I did Newman Haas stuff. I did all those guys. Yeah. Every one of them. So. That did introduce me to a lot of people inadvertently, right? Yeah. A mm-hmm. lot of different you guys. You actually that, use a motorsport paddock. Yeah. For what you're supposed to use <laughs> to, a to, motorsport paddock to, for. To further the street side yeah. of things yeah. in business. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, you know, through that, at that time, I met the president of GM, you know, because, you know, because he was a friend with Rogers, you know. And then, yeah. then I get to Suburban and build. And funny, then Roger wanted to buy that Suburban, but, uh, you know, it, it just grew out of opportunities being in the right place at the right time by accident, you know, so part of it. I mean, uh, kind of jump into modern day you're 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 mostly known
1: for high-end exotics and and really cool just the coolest Porsches out there but there's a much bigger market for like C10 Chevy trucks you know that you could be doing aftermarket bumpers and bodies and all that stuff is it just because it's not as interesting and you don't necessarily
2: need the money well there's never enough money yeah because (laughs) money for me is just a tool Oh. It, just lets me, it just allows me to do a Chance bunch of Sean says the same thing all the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Man, money doesn't to do. matter to me at all. Porsche has <laughs> excited me since I was 19. Yeah. Okay. That's never changed. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's for a really simple reason. I what? said, I've driven, God, almost everything probably. Haven't owned it, but have driven it for sure. I said, even today with all the modern supercars and all the modern sports cars, that everybody now is a sports car business. You know, Ford's Mustang is a sports car. I mean, everybody got into that. And I've driven all of them for 30 years, right? And no matter how much stuff I drive, you get back in a portion, it does everything right. Yeah. I mean, it sits right, the pedals are right, the steering wheel's right, the visibility, the sound, the feel. It checks all the boxes. I mean, it does it more so than anybody. Everybody else is trying to figure that combination out. And and not that it's like the perfect combination, but it's the combination that feels good, you know? And the results speak for themselves in all their racing and history. But So I've never... I'm always a Porsche guy forever. I said, that's, that's my favorite car, you know, cause there was a time when it was all Ferrari stuff and I bought a Ferrari and then I sold, I sold a lot of Ferraris too, but they never did anything for me because they were, they weren't, they weren't that great to drive. They right. were okay. Yeah. And they were beautiful, you know, on and off they had beautiful cars, but for me, it's get in the car and I'm going to take it out and take you on the edge of a limit that we're not supposed to do. Right. You know, and the Porsche will do that.
0: And to that point, we, like, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep hammering that you do what, you, what excites you. So you've been quoted as saying that there's actually bigger numbers and more margin in. So right now, we're, we're in a shop filled with all, I mean, many different vintage cars, but a lot of them towards the Porsche realm of Porsches you've done things to to, yeah. to, to make into really cool vintage cars. Um, you've been quoted as saying the Ferrari market's even bigger in terms of dollar signs. Yeah. Um, and yet you've chosen to stay in the Porsche realm, even though there might be more money in Ferrari. Because it seems like Porsches are more exciting to you.
2: They are. Yeah. yeah. For, and for every reason. For so me. you're chasing the, the thing
0: that excites you more so than where the money yeah, is. Yeah, from so. quality.
2: Yeah, because for me, a car, it's not wall art. Right. And for me. It's get in it and drive it. As in it can't just sit in a garage. It can't just sit in a garage and just sit around. And I said, that's okay if that's what people want to do. But I said, I want to get in a car and drive it. And I want it to drive better than it looks. Right. And, and, and I want it to be able to. Um, do that, you know, in a sustainable manner. Just keeps going. You're not fixing it all the time. Yeah, that's right. my dating philosophy. <laughs> and 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 you can drive it at limits that nobody's believed you could do anything in with sure. a car. But
0: again, if you were purely in this for the dollars, you wouldn't be doing
2: it to this. If
0: incredible. I was purely in it for
2: the dollars, I wouldn't do this business at all.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: No, this is this is your everything you see here is passion.
1: Well, it's- we should kind of finish the because there's two there's two Bruce Cannabis here. There's the racer, and then there's the businessman. And I think now in your life you've kind of merged the two. Together, and we haven't even really touched on any of your racing whatsoever, yeah. <laughs> which is really unique background. But let's finish the just the timeline of, of professional life for for business. You're designing trucks. You go from doing Kenworth, Kenworth to SUVs, and then now and then we're, the, we're really doing
2: them all at the same time.
1: Okay, so now we're into the '90s. When does this take place? Where we this, are now? This shop. Man. Well,
2: yeah. First of all, we were downtown, mm-hmm. and we were in one, two, three
0: downtown scotts valley no santa, santa cruz, cruz.
2: Okay. and we were dealing with downtown santa cruz um <laughs> on the east side you're saying liberal santa cruz well, may it, not, not have been so friendly to this kind of thing no yeah and um and and you know and 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 lots of things going on with it you know you, you couldn't do business in santa cruz and and you can't unless you're depending on what you're selling you know yeah <laughs> so and and we were out of room we were we were five buildings in in a in a Half a block, all spread out, moving stuff all around, move this to get that, and it's a, and we were out of we were out of space, mm-hmm. and and then I said, okay, I got to get out of Santa Cruz. I looked over the hill, I looked different places, and I said, I looked in Monterey. I said that's pretty remote for access to lots of things, and and San Jose was getting already getting crowded, and nothing like LA, but still, sure. <clears throat> I said, how do you even road test a car over there? You can't, and I just kept looking around, and then. Um, I was going to build a building. I was actually going to build like a 35,000-foot building, thinking that would do everything I need. And then I came to Scotts Valley, and, I, of course, I knew Scotts Valley, but I came up here, and I just kind of drove around and hung around. I said, Shit, it's it's 25 minutes to San Jose. It's 45 minutes to Monterey. We're up here out of the heavy traffic on one, which is ridiculous. You know, They, they won't fix the freeway, so they want to jam up the people there, not in, park them all day. And I said, and, and up here is a very conservative area in terms of you know crime everything that they're just not gonna let f- it happen right but anyway it's you know it's turned out to be just a godsend yeah and and this whole area is nice and you know it's uh, you know other than our cost of living in California is insane right. and that's the biggest hurdle we have with people you know to work but uh, yeah. but other than that I can't imagine being anywhere else Okay, so what's the first thing you guys start cranking out of this? We we I brought the first 959 in the United States in 88, 87, 88. It was the first one here. It was here on a tourist visa. And then Otis Chandler got one, and somebody else got one, and somebody else got one. And all of a sudden, I had 10 of these sitting in the foreign trade zone. Yeah. Couldn't move them. You know, they were just sitting there. And I brought one out on the TIB, temporary import bond, to start figuring out how to certify it. Ran into all these hurdles. Ended up meeting a, an attorney in Washington, D.C. I, I mean, it was, And this was a long process. This was, guy said, I can't help you. Who can? Try this guy. Who can? I, I never would accept you couldn't do it. Somehow I see that. Ended up with a law firm in Washington. The guy's name was Warren Dean. Um, it's a lobby firm. It's at one Watergate Circle, if you remember Watergate. <laughs> it's that firm. John Dean, this was his nephew. Nice. Didn't know anything about cars. And I said, look, here's the deal, you know, they're not, they're not not homologated for the U S we don't want to crash test them. They're too valuable. And, and there's only 290 of them in the world. And, um, but we want to make them legal to drive them. And so we went around and around and I said, I can do emissions. We can make them emissions legal. We know that's the right thing to do. So we passed a bill called show or display and it passed in 98 on the Senate transportation bill. And from then on, we we brought in hundred nine fifty nines through this place mm-hmm. of the 292, and uh, so that that w- was a fair amount of business right from the beginning. Because by the time the bill got passed it was '98, it was almost 10 years later. We were a rider on two bills that never went through, and then because he was, thought we'll take a real low profile with this thing, keep it under the you know kind of where nobody notices it, right, right. and then he then at some point he said the Senate transportation bill is going through no matter what's on it and he said i just got to go talk to everybody and, and sort that this one little bullet point in yeah, yeah. nice and, and so that's, anyway that's so some gangster stuff I like so it. here we are Senator, you know yeah and, Senator yeah. Bruce and, the, and the cool it's thing was obvious. it was a bill that that it was about cars that were 500 or less in in production although it wasn't a set number that was what the idea was 500 or less cars that were not homologated for the u.s and to qualify it had to be historically or technically significant. Okay. So the speedtail came in under Shower display. The Gordon Murray car comes in under yeah, Shower okay. display. Bugattis have come in under Shower display. Pagani's, yeah. there's a whole bunch of cars that got in this country. There's if you go to the NHTSA website, mm-hmm. there's a 100 cars on there that uh, you know that are approved they wouldn't be here if, it wasn't I, for so sure if, I, if
0: there's a random European car, I, want, I don't have this agenda, but if there's a random European car I want to bring in, how do I make it historically significant?
2: It, well, you don't. They decide if it's historically or technically do to, significant. Do you have to lobby it somehow? Yeah, you have to make an application. There's a process to make an application. I did the process for the Gordon Murray car, for the T50. And you say, this is why it's technically or historically significant. That car's both, basically. And um, and then they have a you know a, a committee that reviews all this and decides if it is or it isn't. Yeah. So if you go to the NHTSA website, 993 Porsche RS, that never came here. 964 RS, it never came here. You know, all these odd cars that are approved, that's it. Now, you're not going to bring in just a generic sedan of something. But if it's really significant... Technically, or or uh. So I'm how many te- how many senators are you bankrolling? No, none.
1: How many times have you seen a briefcase full of cash?
2: Not very often. Not very often. Okay. You no, know, that, okay. that that those days are gone. Damn! <laughs> 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 it makes it a better show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> tons. Yeah, we did have we did have this one guy. He's, you talk about that back in the, it was <laughs> in the eighties. And, it was when, I, and when, when I was selling, <laughs> when I started, got rolling enough to sell Porsches and Ferraris and stuff. In the late '80s, I sold a ton of Ferraris, you know, mostly newer ones, but tons because the Japanese were buying every certain year The bank <laughs> center, but so were the drug dealers, right? <laughs> yes, finally we got so, there. Yeah. yeah, so we had yeah. this one guy would come in and buy this car, and he and he'd put it in a name. And then he come back and buy another car, and it's in another name, right? Yeah. They buy another car in another name, and, and you had to report what over ten thousand dollars, right? Yeah, right. Okay. So we're reporting, you know, here's two hundred thousand, here's one hundred eighty thousand. Because he's, he's giving you cash. He's giving us cash. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So we're reporting it. We reported it for three years, and all of a sudden the Fed show up one day. Uh, yeah, right. And they go stolen money. They go, yeah. um, um, these cars. Is this guy? He has got a picture of it. Yeah. That picture and that name was not any of the names about bought the car. Yeah, right. Not one. Right. right. I said. The picture's right, the name's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they said, Well, we need to see what he's bought. So we showed him. We showed him all the deals yeah, we yeah. all these cars. It was it was ten cars or something yeah, for the right. period of time. And we showed yeah. him all these cars and he said, Well, you're in trouble because you're supposed to report this. I said, Here, we yeah, reported yeah. it." We, Everyone. Did it. Yeah. we did, yeah. A and Z aren't connected, right? Right. right. So we reported everyone yeah. to whatever federal agency, sure, and, like he, and yeah. the other guys had. You no, know, this no guy it. was El Chopo. I yeah. don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, he yeah. got a, he ended up getting arrested at some point, but he yeah. didn't. He wasn't gone very long. He came back and he was buying cars again. Yeah. Weird, yeah. <laughs> weird. That, that happened. <laughs> we call that breaking out. Yeah. No, and, but then he was buying them under his name. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> we got there.
1: Yeah. I'm proud. That's awesome. What did that thing cost when it when it first showed up? They were like uh,
2: – they were just about $300,000. Okay, but in 1987. 87. Yeah. It was an yeah. expensive car. Yeah. But you're
0: also kind of the sole importer, so I assume you can kind of dictate the rules as you want.
2: Well, um, we, were, well we weren't well, we were the – anybody could do what we did right. once the law was passed. But as the guy that sort of created the but entree, we did it. I assume yeah. you had. Yeah. And we, we had – we had a relationship with the with the powers to be in in Washington in in we NHTSA, call it to, to do this <laughs> stuff. No, I'm just talking <laughs> about even at the government. You know, at, at the it's an at the NHTSA level. Yeah. I we had relationships. You know, it goes like, look. I mean, Dick Merritt would call me up and say, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. So, and he knew that I wasn't going to shortchange anything. You know, I mean, there were there were guys that said they made did smog emission stuff that didn't do it we mm-hmm. were we were lab testing every car at a certified lab and passing them we got them so clean it, it made them wonder how we did it you right know, which we did and and uh, and you know we, we did all of it we did everything was done and there's no compromises in how I do things and, and you know it's do it right and and sometimes it's to a fault because I just say it's <laughs> not good enough we're doing it again but that's what we did so so those things were 300k back in 1987 what are they what are they worth now? Well, a stock one is now a two million dollar car. Right, a stock one.
1: And then, what's a Canopy Nine Five Nine worth?
2: Three and a half million. And how many of them are in
1: this room next to us?
2: Fourteen. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that I didn't see that number. Yeah, coming. one
1: of the questions I have for you is like, what is that room? How much yeah. is that? How much? How money much is, is in that this room? building? Yeah, I don't want to know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And I
0: don't want my insurance company to know that's <laughs> right. Really sure. but you, you just listed you have 14 times three and a half yeah. in just one yeah. set of cars here. And that's it. Like
1: over your shoulder, vehicle. there's an F40 rear hatch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so
2: yeah. Like just that alone. I was like, what Well, there's an F40 there too. Though? Okay. Yeah. 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 Of yeah. There is. yeah.
1: yeah. Right. Okay. So when you have cars like that and you have that kind of value based around it, your clientele becomes pretty, pretty, you know, high altitude customers, right? So. How difficult is it dealing with somebody who's used to getting what they want, but they don't see your vision with, let's say, a 959?
2: Well, what's interesting is it didn't come overnight. It's taken 40 years to get people to trust that just give it to Bruce and let him do it. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. That didn't happen. In fact, I tell people it was only three years ago. Maybe it's four now or whatever, but it's only in the last three or four years that people call on the phone and say, "I want to buy a canopy car." Mm-hmm. They don't call and say, "I want to buy a Porsche or Ferrari." I want to buy a canopy car, yeah. and I was recommended, and I've seen what you've done, and so in my, you know, it's obviously there's not a canopy car, but it's it's what we do, and it might be a completely stock car, sure, right. but they want one from here mm-hmm. because of the way we do everything, and it's everything we do. Every car we sell, forget 959s for a minute. If we sell, if we sell a, whatever it is, it goes in our shop, and the guys do a complete inspection and whatever it needs it gets done doesn't matter what it is it's everything and every car gets road tests I have two retired guys that drive the cars and our road tests are minimum 125 miles and some of them four and 500 miles and we, we drive and then when everybody says it's done we think it's done every night there's a car parked outside that I'm driving home yeah. and I've got everything they did and I go drive it and I'm the one that says it's done or it's not done well,
0: and, and I spoke with somebody who used to work with you and he said he was shocked the first time he saw how you drove because apparently, and I think this is a good thing, that you thrashed the shit out of him.
2: I drive him. Yeah. You know, I drive him. To and and I don't want ready. my technicians to go out and go 100. Right. I want them to just drive him normal. Right. But I drive him and lean on the brakes and put him through the corners. and to see and, and, you know, I mean, I drove race cars long enough and, I'm, and I don't break things. It's just, uh, you know, you can do it really smooth, but it just, to somebody riding with you, they might think it's like, oh <laughs> you know. But my thing is, whether it's a road car or a race car, get it done test it make sure it's right because if i put a guy in a good race car then I'm not worried about him having some big shunt because the car doesn't work, right? Or it's going to fail, and that's you got to do that because I am lucky I got to do this my whole life, starting when I was a kid. And most guys they they got to this point in their life and made enough money now they're going to race, and they and they and unfortunately they think because I have money I can also race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They right. don't go together all the time. Oh, but, we know but, most times, but, <laughs> but yeah. the IMSA. But they got They got to have good equipment. Sure. Or or you know they don't even have a chance if they don't have good equipment. Yeah.
0: So. And we'll uh, at the, towards the end of the podcast, we'll ask some sort of fun generic stuff about customers and what you will and won't deal mm-hmm. with because uh, I'm sure we both know the types. Yeah. but I won't uh, ride with any of them. But you well, <laughs> <I> shouldn't. <laughs> um, but but on a business level, and then I want to talk some racing. But on a business level, um, it's it's been said that you're very uncompromising on what it's going to cost because you know what you're going to do, and that's not going to
2: change. But it's true because yeah. I spend more. I always spend more than I even think I'm going to spend. Right. And, and it's crazy, and people would never believe this unless they want to come audit the books. Probably at least 15% of the cars or 20% of the cars I sell, because of the way I do them, I make no money or lose money on them. It's a terrible business, sir. Yeah. Let me tell you about podcasting. Yeah. Also, don't, uh,
1: don't say that on here. But, you
0: know, <laughs> I mean, but, you, know you do all this
2: work, yeah. and right. then you get done at the end, and you already committed the price here, and you say, but you're it cost right. me this year. Yeah, I mean, right. I, you know, I said I think I got to spend twenty grand. Because well, you're assess on the details that I, you feel are needed. Oh yeah, and not look at how to shorten it. And yeah. I won't. I I will not count the dollars to get it done right. until it's done. So and, you know. but on that level, so if
0: I buy a nine thirty-five and I'm like, I want to get, I want to take it to Canapa because he's going to do it right. Right. And you will just make up a number. You give me a, a six, a, a seven figure quote. Right. And I am like, well, I've only got six figure budget. Are you just going to turn me away, or are you going to work with my budget?
2: I'm going to turn you away. Yeah. Either you do it first of all, it puts everybody that's in the business in a position where they gotta compromise the quality of the work to get to the number. Yeah. Right? And and it's one thing to compromise the, the, the margin. Yeah. But the margins aren't from six fifty to a million three hundred fifty thousand. A million dollar project has a ten percent margin. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Labor's expensive. Materials are expensive. That's still and, grand. <laughs> and now, yeah. And now, worse than ever. You know. Yeah, what I mean? for That's, sure. Everything's gotten so expensive that the margin's shrinking quickly. And and I tell guys, I couldn't do. You couldn't do this business over again. Sure. I could not start if I was thirty one today. There's no way I could walk away from my dad and start my own business. Right. It's and just not going to happen.
0: What if I'm? I'll just make up a name. Uh, and I say, I need it in six weeks, but you know it's a three month project.
2: We tell them it's three months. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you have to. Mm-hmm. Do you commit to deadlines or do you just say it's done when it's done? Um,
2: we commit to deadlines. Look, we need deadlines too, right? Not in and, video. You well, know, yeah. <laughs> but we do. And because uh, if you don't have deadlines, stuff won't get done. So across the board, we make sure everybody knows there's a date this has to be done. Unfortunately, since COVID, it's, you, it's hard to meet those deadlines anymore because the whole world is for what you're friggin' get. unproductive now. And the stuff you get that's wrong, you know, it's made wrong, it's damaged, It's the whole world's changed in that regard. So it's we used to say, look, I can do – because I don't want cars sitting around. I said we could do a full ground-up restoration up to 4,000 hours in labor and have it delivered in two years in here. And we did it over and over. Today, you've got to add a year and a half to that because the outside world – you can't even order paint and get it in two or three days. It's five and six weeks. Everything in the supply chain hasn't improved. That's, right. you know, it'll improve when people stop buying things. It can't keep up with, there's less people working, there's less people making things. So and more people it, it's people way work. off in terms right. of, there's no surplus anymore. Right.
0: So if I buy a vintage of whatever and bring it to you, it's gonna be three and a half plus years before I get it back.
2: Yeah, if, if it's a ground up restoration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Um. We should probably talk about
0: racing. Yeah,
2: that's it. the show's <laughs> called Dinner with Racers. We've been here an hour. And we haven't talked uh, about a
1: single lap. Well, okay, so very obvious that you do a lot of vintage racing now, and I would say it's pretty obvious to a lot of people that you did Porsches throughout your career, but what probably doesn't come up is that you started with dirt racing, like yeah. some sprint I, racing, sprint car
2: racing. Well, I had no money, and... And my dad wasn't gonna support racing. He he just thought I'd get killed. <laughs> and my mom signed a NASCAR license that I was sixteen when I was fifteen. Because your mom was the racer. She the liked family. it. Yeah. And I drove I went to Watsonville Speedway down yeah. here in Watsonville. Yeah. It was a little quarter mile track. And my dad's body shop manager and his brother who worked in my dad's body shop, they built a fifty eight Ford. Actually, it was an Edsel and they made it a Ford. They didn't want to have an Edsel so they changed the sheet metal. <laughs> and they built it and they never raced it. And it was a you know, it was a dirt oval oh, track. I built it for them. For them. Yeah, I was wondering, like, how would this get my dad? And I just just kept saying, you guys got to let me drive it. Because they they got it so nice they didn't want to drive it. (laughs) <laughs> and, and luckily, because you know my dad was their boss, I convinced him to let me drive it. So other than destroying <laughs> it the first night, yeah. <laughs> tore almost every fender off the thing. And that's where I started. I started at Watsonville Speedway racing these dirt cars. And then, then I went to Sportsman, which was a winged car with a 358-inch motor. There's a picture upstairs of one. They, you had a, a mid-50, like a 57 Chevy frame. And then you took a body. 50 Chevy, whatever you wanted. and you narrowed it up to the width of the frame, mm-hmm. and you had big eight lug axle in the back so the wheels didn't break off, yeah. and and a Franklin hub on the right front, and big fat tires and a wing, yeah. Yeah. and and that was but you it's know, all dirt old stuff, all dirt old. Was it going somewhere? Or
0: just to do it for fun.
2: I just loved it, yeah, and I loved racing, and that was a grassroots way to go racing. Right, but you weren't thinking, oh, I'm going to go to Indy someday or NASCAR or any Not of this. really, not yeah. not not that far back. Yeah, and then I then I started racing super modifieds and. And I got a sponsor. I got a guy that saw me drive and put me in a car, and, and um, <clears throat> so I started racing super modifieds on pavement, mostly on pavement, and they're cool. They were fast and stuff. And I got, like, rookie of the year the first year, and then most improved driver, and then ended up. You know, up somewhere up in the points, and and this is late '60s. It, um, this was early '70s. Okay. Yeah. So then, then the guy that had put me in a super modified said, uh, "Well, what do you want to do next?" And of course, his goal was to go NASCAR. He was from Louisville, Kentucky. He was out here. Um, he was a crook. He was a. He, in fact, he was, he was on the Tower Report. He was. He was a piece of work. You know. He had Pacific Western Energy Company. He had all these. He had mines that w- did not weren't active, but they were active. You know, and all this stuff. So diamond
1: mine down in South Africa. Yeah. yeah. Well, he yeah.
2: he did that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his name was Jim Stacy, J.D. Stacy. That had all the stock car teams. Oh no way! Yeah. That was my sponsor.
1: Nice. Yeah. That's a real. That was he a was man. real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: he he made. J.R. Ewing looked like a lightweight that yeah. Day, yeah. yeah. and That's he wore crazy. the big cowboy hat right. and cigar. cigar. Yeah. Is no. this where you, you learned up. how to bankroll senators? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he, he saw me drive, put me in his super modified, yeah. and then at some point I said, Jim, I says, I want to race a sprint car. Yeah. And so he put up the money. Um, I ended up driving one of uh, Speedway Motors cars, one of their Does cars. Does dad know about any of this? Huh? Does dad know about any of this at this time? My dad knew I was racing. He didn't know what I was racing. I see. So Mom's on board though. Mom's on board. Dad yeah. didn't go much. He didn't like it. Yeah. And and the one time he went, I had I went sixteen times end over end. Nice. So he yeah. he yeah. had, yeah. had enough, yeah. of, that, enough you know? of that. You know? yeah, sure. so, sure. But I wanted to I liked sprint cars. I loved them. Yeah. And um, and I wasn't afraid of much. So and you can't be in those cars. Right. I tell guys, I said they said, How's it different? I said, Well, you start at full throttle and you try to never lift.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's
2: how you do a sprint car. Right. And I said, if the hole's this big you take it yes yeah. and I said and even if you, even if you're not going to take it you' ne- need them to think you're going to right, it, right right so And I drove when it was Kinzer and Swindell and the guys when you looked at it I said there's 30 guys here that have won a main event or could win a main event yeah. tonight yeah so so it was the best place you know I did it because I loved it sure but it was also the best place to learn car control because yeah, I said everybody asked me I says I, I, even today when they watch me drive I said, look I drive with my right foot." That's my steering, that's everything. And I said in sprint cars that's all you had. And I said steering wheels were just hanging on to when the <laughs> thing flipped over. I said I said you did everything with the right foot. I said uh, and if you drive a 935, that's the way. That's why sure. I was so comfortable when I climbed in that. I went from sprint cars to a 935. Right. I didn't do it. I had never been on a road race course, ever. So, <laughs> so I you figured one out of a 935. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you're probably, this thing's slow. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't slow, but it was nice because I could see there was no mud flying. Right, you know? right. And the brakes actually really stopped the thing because yeah. sprint cars don't have brakes. Yeah. So. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, that's, that's how I got there. I just, uh, sprint cars were... You know, I mean, I, I super modifies and sportsmen were affordable, and it just led me into sprint cars because that's what everybody did back then. Yeah, dad, dad was okay when I road raced because it does it didn't look scary like a sprint car. Sure. You go to a sprint car racing, yeah, yeah and for, today, yeah, if yeah. nobody flips over, it's like frightening. You know, like yeah, yeah. how do they even keep them on the wheels? Right? Yeah. I mean, it is. They're, they're, things are crazy fast. Yeah, I mean, I had four concussions in six years. And a skull fracture. Nice. And, you know, I didn't even know the neurosurgeon said, you know, your neck stretches four inches without breaking your neck. Oh, that explains it because Bill Simpson said, you broke the helmet on a roll bar.
1: How do you make transition from dirt cars to a 935?
2: Well, so what happened was Stacy
1: bought an NASCAR
2: team mm-hmm. and I yeah. went and did with r- cash I'm guessing. Yeah, with <laughs> cash. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he had this company. He had this company Pacific Pacific Western Energy Corporation. Sure. And yeah, he got, that sounds that sounds real. It, sounds real. And he got all these investors to throw tons of money in it. I mean, right. because he His said uh, Henry's okay, he, Well, he right. had yeah. he you had a be pat- at the top of the pyramid. He had a patent on this thing called the thin seam mining machine. The thing was <laughs> as big as a city block. Okay. It was made in the Netherlands. He, he so it's real. some guy here designed it. He got the patent, and the idea was that this thing could go into a mine that was closed in thin seam mine, all the stuff you couldn't get. Right? Sure. Yeah. So he didn't care if it worked or not. <laughs> just the, the whole theory yeah. was, was valuable, right? Yeah. So he goes to the Netherlands and he tells them, because that's when the shipping thing was going in the tank, right?
1: It's not fraud. And, and it's just a bad investment. And all they yes. knew. Yeah, we learned well, this. We've learned this. Yeah. And in
2: the Netherlands, they Long. were they were losing the shipping business. Yeah. The Japanese were building super tankers. and yeah. yeah. Th- that was their main business, yeah, right? Yeah. So he rolls in with a thing as big as a super tanker. Sure. But it's a thin C miner. Yeah. and it's 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 what they could build, right? <laughs> right. So he gets them on board to build it. They give him... Some i don't even know dummy. how much money yeah. just insane yeah. amounts of money yeah. he has them building these things and he's collecting and, investors. and he said he's going to sell them right and then when, of course they didn't sell so Weird. then he goes back to him and at this time neil bonnet's working for him and i'm working for him and yeah. rodney combs is working for him and he's starting to gather up the nascar thing and and, and he comes back to the guy he says you know what we shouldn't sell these thin seam miners. we shouldn't sell any of them we should lease all these mines which he had already leased uh-huh. and we should lease these mines." and mine them ourselves, or the margin. And he would come in with, he had... 25 people doing financial I stuff. I will never get enough of these kind of stories. In yeah. The yeah, yeah. This is yeah. my I favorite he, part about our our yeah.
0: particular sport. Neil yeah.
2: Vaughn and I and the guy. Look, he had these. They come in with a whole entourage of guys with all these books and prospectuses, and, and it was you were going to make billions. The sh- you could have got away with back then. Yeah, are yeah. yeah. You could make billions. Well, it's so harder to fact check them. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, he like, convinced yeah. the like, Dutch like, government not to sell like them. It's laminated, and it they gave be, really. him more money. So with that more money, he started buying NASCAR teams. He bought four in a row. Remember, he was the yeah, first. He was a big deal. He was the first guy with multiple teams. Yeah. First guy. And, <laughs> and like, you know, and so I drove a couple times, and he wanted me to move to the south because he was from Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. And he lived out here, lived in Menlo Park in a big fancy castle, and mm-hmm. and he had a wife that was an actress. And, and I mean, she had <laughs> if you're going to have illegal money. She yeah, had, she had rooms this big yeah. that were just for coats, and another one yeah. that was just shoes. It was yeah. insane. Yeah. And, yeah. and jet, he was the first guy to show up with jets, private jets, and big motor homes. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And we were just like, what the hell? Where's all this coming from? So, yeah. so anyway, so that <laughs> – He's like the Scott Tucker of racing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, he he was in a way. So anyway, I, I I was racing for him. He wanted me to go race stock cars. I said I don't want to race stock cars. I don't. And then really back then you had to live in the south. Everybody was in yeah, the south, for right? for sure. Yeah. Not like today. Yeah. And he said no, I'm not interested. And uh, so he had one of his investors was a guy named Jerry Brassfield. Okay. His son Darren. Darren raced.
1: used to race Jerry made lots
2: of money. You know, Jerry was Jerry was close to a billion dollars back then. A long time ago. Yeah. He had and he was another. He had multi level sales products. Right. That's what he was in. MLM. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty-seven countries. Yeah, my yeah. ex-girlfriend does that. So anyway, so <laughs> he, boss. you know, he had Golden Products and and Neo Life and Best Products and all these things, and so Jerry made a lot of money. And, yeah, and, and well, so he was at the top of it. And he, <laughs> and he lived and he lived right here. He lived up the hill. And, yeah. and Jerry says, "What are you going to do?" And, and and he was investing, and in, he, he lost. I don't know how much he lost in in uh, in, uh, in uh, what's his face's deal. It was crazy. <laughs> Stacy's deal, but in mining. But he yeah. says, "What are you going to do?" I said, "I'm not going to race stock cars." And he said, "What do you want to race?" I said, "I want to race a Porsche. I want to race a road race car." So so he put up I don't because I like Porsches. Okay. That's well, all. yeah. At this point, you're already obsessed with the oh, 911. Oh, I'm obsessed so. with yeah, 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 so, it. Inter- yeah. it's just interesting. Cause yeah, and I and I knew how to drive a 911 pretty sideways all you, the time. You just don't so. hear about sprint car guys going straight to. Well, I want a road race now. No. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I but I but see I did that. And I drove everything. I just I just climbed in it and figured it out. So anyway, so you know we got a 934 and a half. It was what I bought. It was
1: That's the real thing.
2: Yeah, they built yeah. ten of those. And that was a that was an IMSA only car is what it was yeah. for. Yeah. And because they didn't let the nine thirty fives in. And George Dyer had bought one for eighty grand and he raced it four races and I bought it for twenty five. Nice. And so I had yeah. I had I had my way in, you yeah. know? And then we got a new nine thirty five from the factory because we the first race in the car, and I'd never been on a road course in my life or any of that. First race we got seventh against nine thirty fives. And then so, fourth, so, so they just give you a license because of all the sprint car stuff you have done? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, <laughs> like, actually, yeah. actually, I didn't have a license. I had I had my sprint car license, my USAC license, <laughs> yeah. and I did the two IMSA races. I did Sonoma and I did Monterey in October. I got fourth in that race. Then we went to Daytona for the twenty-four hour, yeah. and Rick came with me. We were friends, Rick Mears, Mears yeah. and Monty Shelton from yep, Oregon, yep. and none of us had been there. And we, got th- we were on the podium. Yeah. Finished third overall. <laughs> and and then when we did that, then Porsche said, where'd you learn how to drive these things? And I showed them a sprint car picture. They didn't have a big idea what that was. They said, this this is what I drive. It's, it's sideways. Because they noticed that I was like, didn't care about being out of shape right. and stuff.
1: How did you know Rick Mears?
2: From uh, Pikes Peak and from dirt stuff. So you've everything. done
1: Pikes Peak before the sports car stuff.
2: I did Pikes Peak in 80.
1: Okay. So we should probably go back to that. Yeah. Then. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, but also like where you like, we were in a Nascot and stuff with Rick. No, I was running health health here. He up here. He was up here he was running doom buggies at Ascot, yeah, yeah, he didn't yeah. do sprint car stuff, yeah, they, I got they you. were doing the buggies, you yeah know? yeah yeah. Copy. And, okay, so. and the and the guy that built their buggies was Newman Drager, who ended up working for me one no, of right, them yeah, the, yeah and yeah. building the buggies, so it was that's how we all got together so, and before, we used to go to the desert together and do stuff i I liked all that too, so
0: so yeah, so we, we just glance over this little event called Pi Pikes, Pike's Peak. Peak. that somehow you decided to find yourself in
2: yeah yeah well we we built the end yeah, we built a car okay. We went there. What kind of car? Uh, it's upstairs, that open-wheel unlimited car. It's like car. a buggy-looking yeah. thing with the yeah. Porsche It's a buggy-looking thing, th- but it's yeah. got a twin-turbo Porsche, Porsche motor on the, the back. back right. yeah. And the first year we took it up there, we took it up in 79, and it didn't have enough power with the six-cylinder motor and stuff, and it was too heavy on the back. So we put a turbo motor on it for 80, went back, set the qualifying record. Fastest car there all week. Um, it really – we had them covered. But the, part of it – and Unzer was furious, Bobby – in fact, and Alan made it worse because I knew Alan Bob because I was on the Colorado Grand motorcycle ride from the beginning with all those guys, you know, Walker and Parnelli and all of us. The first year, I think there was only 30 of us or something on Wally's ride, and we were all friends. And and then uh, and most of those guys came from dirt racing. Almost everyone, whether they were driving at Indy now or not, they came out of the dirt. Right. So, so, <clears throat> so we had we had a blast together. So, and then I was building trucks and trailers for Bobby and everybody else too, sure. you know, all that stuff. So, so it, it, we had a long-term relationships and, and we get to Pike's Peak that year. Well, now it's got the turbo engine on the back and, and Al comes over to the trailer at, we were a tech at the Broadview. Al Enzer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He comes over, walks in the trailer and this was a year that they had Bobby Jr. Al Jr. was in a Wells Coyote and Robbie was going to do his first race. And I don't think even Robbie was 14 or something. Yeah, that they had up. all the Enzers, all yeah, the yeah. kids, right? And um, so and Bobby was driving at, uh, Bobby's sprint car and Al was driving the, the Wells car, Al Jr.. So Al senior. walks into my trailer because we knew each other and he's a nice he was the nicest guy. and he walks in and he looks at the car and hes, what is this? And, you know, that's a Porsche Motor. He didn't know what that stuff was. And he's asking questions, and I didn't mind answering most of the questions he wanted. And we never he never asked about the steering brake handle because in the car, if you look at it, you can't see it. I had it over here and I had a black handle on it. I wanted it in invisible a brake. Yeah, yeah. Rear brake, left and right. Pull left, push right.
0: Oh wow, that's interesting. Makes it go through the corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, and that came from the buggy air. That's not me. I mean, you know, that's been around. Sure. But I could, I could drag the left rear wheel and or drag the right rear wheel. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) Al's looking at the car, and Al and I told Al what it weighed. Al goes, "What's this weigh? And I said, weighs a thousand pounds, ready to go." And he just smiled, you know. So he leaves. Comes back with Bobby.
3: (laughs) Oh. Bobby comes
2: in. He took note. (laughs) Bobby comes in, and he ended up that color red. Yeah. But Bobby comes in. What is it? Now Bobby's got, what is this? What's this for? How's this work? And, you know, I didn't answer a third of Bobby's questions, and and that made it matter because I didn't answer them. Bobby leaves and protests the car. <laughs> That's what he did immediately. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, and, and oh, Al set him off, though. So we're sitting there. <laughs> Al's just sitting on the fender of the trailer in my fifth wheel trailer, my sprint car trailer. He's just sitting in it. And, uh, and Bobby's walking all around. He's just intense. He's looking at everything, you know, just crazy. And, and Al looks at him and says, Bobby... I told you somebody would come here someday and kick your ass. <laughs> oh, my God. Bobby marched out of the trailer, you know, like he was on a mission. If he had an AR-15, he'd have shot everybody. Yeah. So he went and protested the car, and then he protested <laughs> um, us. So on on what grounds? Like, was there anything out of compliance? No. Or no, it was just Bobby. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 it he, wasn't mine. and yeah. he he yeah. intimidated everybody at Pikes Peak. You know, it was yeah. it was Unzer's Mountain. Yeah, he's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was yeah. Unzer's Mountain, yeah. you know. It yeah. really was. I yeah. mean, they should have renamed it, you know. Yeah, but, right. And um, so – he he basically all week said that car shouldn't be here. It's not right. It's not this and stuff. And and didn't matter. So, in qualifying we set the the record with the thing. And he was up there with filming my corner speed from entry corner to exit a corner. He was going nuts over this thing. And then on race day, um, I ended up second. I hit a spectator. Oh, wow. they had they. Back then, they would let them all go up there and party, right? Sure. Before yeah. the race. And up in the W, I mean, and you know, it doesn't take much to drink in, the, in that altitude. Oh, right. That's a good point. Yeah. And I came out through the, and this car, the problem with this car, the only problem with the turbo car was you couldn't hear it. Uh, you know, yeah, well, so yeah, they have so no idea. It's fun. So, yeah. and it's just windy enough in some of those places. You're yeah. you're hearing that big V8, right? Mm-hmm. You didn't hear that car. Yeah. And I came around a corner, and some guy was walking across the road with a I I don't know what was wrapped around him, but something, and he was trying to get from one side to the other, and 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 I locked it up and spun and clipped him and ended up in the ditch backwards. Yeah. And it took forever to get it. Seemed like forever to get it started. I think it took like 10-15 seconds to get it to refire yeah. up out of the ditch, turn around, and go, and I was still second with all that well here's Unzers, a question how is
1: the person yeah I
2: are <laughs> both thinking the same thing yeah. like you
1: glanced over one fact yeah. Yeah. here yeah like I, it took forever yeah to get the car restarted it's <laughs> yeah. like
2: to get his pulse back <laughs> right. i think it busted his leg or something oh band, sure, you know. so anyway <laughs> they lived so the guy was okay yeah. and the Unzers were had tried so hard knowing how fast we were going before that happened that they none of them finished Oh, yeah. none of them. They <laughs> right. all went off. Did this, did yeah, that. Right, everything. Right. Tried too hard. Yeah, tried too hard. Yeah. So. he would lose his mind with this story. And then, oh, the, yeah. and then the next year, the car was outlawed. Yeah. Uh, Bo- Bobby yeah. convinced the Pikes Peak Hill Climb Association they should use USAC rules. <laughs> well, USAC <laughs> rules were Indy cars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fifteen hundred pounds, one yeah. turbocharger. Yeah. Uh, two point six liter. Yeah. So yeah. the car was done. Right. That car never because ran. You again. were going to start an arms race. And then, yeah. yeah. And exactly. then I didn't go back till I went back in two thousand and drove the truck.
1: Yeah. So and that I think is it. Is the truck here?
2: Not here now. Okay,
1: was it here a couple years ago? It I was here. Like I yeah, saw it in the it's about. at the, my trailer company, yeah. getting
2: all put back together. That's to run. yeah. I heard this.
1: You're going to take it back up the mountain? No. Oh, okay. No, I'm, I'm going to
2: terrorize everybody
1: around here. Yeah. In Scotts
2: Valley. And I'm driving around Laguna Seca.
1: Okay. So it's,
2: it road races really well. So
1: so to tell to, to tell the folks listening at home what we're talking about because I've seen it in person and there's photos <clears> of it. and It's badass. But we're literally talking about a big rig, semi rig truck so they had a class
2: at pikes peak for semis yeah and, and <laughs> because you do mercedes and ford and mac and a bunch of manufacturers were there including kenworth yeah. and kenworth had built a truck and uh, run there a couple times, and really nobody was beating Mercedes. I mean, they came with truck experience. They came with a truck chassis. Again, this is a big rig truck. Big rig truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. and Mercedes F-Pi truck by was by the by lightest a narrow <laughs> dirt road. Dirt yeah, road yeah. up a mountain. And Mercedes yeah. had the lightest of these trucks too. And they, they really <laughs> only weighed eighteen thousand pounds. Yeah, I think their truck weighed like. 11 you know <laughs> Kenworth weighed 15 you know yeah, the first time right. so you so anyway a that ton we were doing I, it was in the middle of me doing all this design work because it was you know it was 2000 and I had just done the, the T2000 design for Kenworth and and the and the president of Kenworth was David Hovind and he says Bruce he says you raced to Pikes Peak yeah yeah and he says you know we're racing and we're not winning and he says uh would you come look at the truck so I said so we went to Mount Vernon Washington that's where their test center is mm-hmm. truck was up there and you know i looked at the truck and then i went and drove it on their. they have an oval track there and i drove it on their their, their they have a road course that's really a logging road course it's a dirt <laughs> deal you know gravelly <laughs> dirt thing and i drove it through there and yeah. and he said what do you think i said well i said i said i look my driving style i said i'd want to be able to rotate it around <laughs> and you can't do that not sliding it yeah out. so i said I'd, I'd move the engine back as far as you can yeah. and they did the drive line's that long 10 mm-hmm. the drive line's not a foot long i said move the engine back at the weight off the front I says I'd beat lock the rear tires, run low air pressure, do this, do that, and the next thing. So I just told them this stuff and. Are there like
0: homologation rules? Because all I'm hearing are things yeah. that are not making it a semi. As you, continue you know, to know, it's it, you know,
2: no, there's rules. You had to use a, a production tire. It just it just, <laughs> it just didn't say it just didn't say how many plies it had to be. So I told them, make four ply tires, not fourteens. Okay. And Bridgestone did that, uh-huh. and then we bolted them to the rims and we cut them all up and yeah. and and they started making changes. And once, well, what, first of all, I went back and I told them this stuff, and then the guy that was driving it said, you know, he wasn't comfortable, really comfortable driving that thing anyway. And then David said. Would you, can we have you drive it? I said, sure. So then we changed the whole truck. We went to some roads up in, I think it was Utah. We found some roads similar to Pike's Peak out in the middle of nowhere. And and I just practiced, I mean, flying in the corner, pick up the throttle, rotate it around, pick up the throttle and go. And it was 12,800 pounds doing this. What's the reinforcement when you roll? It had a roll cage, but you'd have been wiped out. Yeah, okay. You'd been smashed. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. by the weight of the truck. Twelve thousand pound truck is. That's what I'm. Yeah. Yeah. What What kind of horsepower is that thing making? So it was a. It was a. 18 liter motor, of course, and twin turbo caterpillar, <laughs> and it had a ZF gearbox, sequential shift gearbox. Yeah. In fact, at sea level at Mount Vernon, he did like a 12 and a half second quarter mile. Jesus Christ, yeah, it was serious. So, that much weight, it was yeah. it was yeah. vital, you know yeah. but anyway, it, stopping it, um, exactly. you know, it was like 1900 horsepower, yeah, but it had like 4,000 foot pounds of torque at 1700 so RPMs. Awesome. So, the first year there, we took over a minute off the record, <laughs> yeah, right out of the box. What year was this? 2,000. Okay. Yeah. Then we took another 30 seconds. Yeah. And then to this day, they never got that record back, even on pavement. Yeah. And some guys tried and crashed pretty heavily on the pavement. So. <sighs> yeah. But it was – and, and I, I don't care about the pavement going up that hill. I mean, sure. the, yeah, yeah. the dirt was yeah. – it was a blast. Different event. Yeah. So, and if you hit a spec there, you wouldn't even know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would be worse than a you know, leg. It, yeah. it, it, was, it was scary in the truck because people are in – the Outside of the corners, when you come flying in and rotate yeah. those trucks, mm-hmm. standing there, yeah, like and they're never going to get out of the way, yeah. right?
0: On this thing that if yeah. it touches them, they're yeah, they're, they're done they're they're vaporized. Going away. Yeah, yeah, and you can't do anything in that thing, so. yeah. yeah. And I imagine awesome. it's probably the most exciting thing. Yeah, it's so when the one you want to watch. Oh, god, oh, they, they I'm love it live forever. <laughs> <laughs> they did,
2: they love the trucks.
0: <laughs> so, I'm hearing a you know, like a, 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 a guy running sort of a rail car at Pikes Peak, sprint car driver driving for. One of the greatest NASCAR team owners in history. <laughs> yeah, I'm not hearing a, a, one of the most
2: famous ones. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not hearing a Lamar driver. I didn't. So go I, d- I just don't get how this. Just, you just show like a sports up. Sports car but, guy. You mean? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was a Porsche. Right. You know, and and those race Porsches started out as street cars, so to me, it was just a street Porsche right. on steroids. So yeah. you do a handful of sports car races. You run
0: with Bobby. Ray yeah, yeah. you yeah. run with Rick Mears, Jim Piero, Moretti. Yeah. yeah, some pretty cool yeah. stuff.
2: Yeah, I got and, and and I was doing it for fun, you know. Yeah. And, and um, um, like Bobby, I got to drive it was the first GTP car. Yeah. And I was supposed to drive a 935 with with uh, Redman. Yeah. And then the driver in that car didn't drive it, and they said they put me in it. And Bobby, I mean they, that, and Jim Truman was the other driver. Yeah. And you know it was it was this was before they had the bus stop at Daytona. Yeah, right. This is the reason really they hauled. put the bus stop. Yeah, right. And they said we were going like. Two thirty through the banking, that thing was a rocket ship. Yes, yeah, so
1: that was eighty two.
2: Eighty two. So that was the March March uh, eighty two G. Yeah, first chassis. Yeah,
1: you guys qualified on pole. Yeah. At a 143.8. Yeah. Now that's without the that's without the chicane. Uh, the year prior at Daytona in the nine thirty five, I think you guys again without the chicane, you did like a two minute. Yeah. You know, that's how much faster those prototypes were. Wow. I mean, yeah. that's 17 so seconds. So yeah. Insane. We, we were lapping
2: the 935s about every hour and a half. Yeah. 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 And it was crazy because I'm driving. he says, Shit, that's Holbert. I just blew by. Yeah. That's him. I just blew by. You know, what yeah. the heck are they doing? You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the car was so drivable. Yeah. So drivable. It was crazy. Even on the infield, it was just completely different way to drive a car. Yeah. Uh, I was
0: told because of the way the 962 was built that um, you once raised a concern about the safety nature of the 962, and that uh, you were you were told that um, Porsche had plenty oh, of no. options. Oh, okay. no. Tell, tell me this it story.
2: Was, we were at the factory, yeah. and it was before a race. So you're in Bisak. Yes. Yeah. And, it was, uh, and Frau Baer kind of oversaw every, I mean, she, she had a counter, and behind the counter there's fax machines everywhere, and she was doing all the parts orders, and she was telling everybody what to do, and she was telling drivers where they needed to be. So I was supposed to go to Schweinfurt, Germany, to Fickle and Sachs because they were sponsoring the car. Okay, and that's um, for nine sixty two. Yeah, no, nine thirty five. Nine thirty five. Nine thirty five. Okay. And so when we were there, there was you know Gary Evans was there, Brian Redman I think was there, one of the Whittingtons was there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it might have been seventy eight. Anyway, there was a bunch of guys there, like half a dozen drivers, and they were all getting instructions where they had to go, and she was the only one that could actually manage drivers and get them to be in the right place at the right time, and uh, and and it was Bill Whittington, I remember it was Bill, because he was a smartass anyway, he was funny, and he said something like, uh, Frau Berry said, when, when is Porsche going to put, you know, safe roll cages in these 935s? I mean, you know, there's steel and chrome molly and all these good materials and the roll cages are aluminum. And she looked up at everybody and she goes, we have plenty of drivers. <laughs> and she wasn't being funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. right. Yeah. And yeah. and and I looked at Gary. And I don't see anybody getting out of line here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Message delivered. Yeah. yeah, message delivered. That's cool. But you know that wasn't an issue back then. Yeah, that was I a mean. culture. And yeah. if you look look at a nine seventeen, I tell guys, look at nine seventeen. We've we've restored six of them here, and the and the only one that was heavy, by standard. Was the 91730 that Pinsky had because it had polished aluminum panels to cover the fuel cells that he wanted put in it and stuff? So that whole frame weighed 120 pounds. Oh, the rest of them weighed 98 pounds. Yeah, average a hey, 917 that, frame. That's a 917 frame. The weighed frame. Pounds. That's all they weigh. Yeah, because they're their like alu- spider. They're like aluminum spider webs. tubing. Yeah. It's the equivalent of, ninth metric, but it's the equivalent to 90-wall aluminum tubing. You can put one on the bench and tie it down one end and go to the back end and do this. Yeah, yeah I feel yep. like if you look at it, it'll bend. Yeah, I mean, you have to run yeah. real lightweight yeah. springs. And yeah. when guys see me sit in it, you know, they because your feet are in the front of the car. Yeah, right. And they say, aren't you worried about that? I go, that's the least of your problems. Because if I hit something, that engine's coming straight through the car and taking you out anyway. Yeah. You know, it's right behind you, that big 12-cylinder motor. Yeah. But the cars are unbelievable to drive. And if you think about it, there was only one fatality ever in a nine seventy. Is that John Wolf? And he should have never been in a car. Yeah, because he's like a gentleman guy, right? Yeah. And crashed sh- along should, the test day. Should have never been in a car. Yeah. Everybody yeah. else, I mean, they, they, they do everything perfect. I mean, turn in, rotate. And I, and I like loose, so I drive the thing, you know, hung out. And it's just a fabulous car to drive. Yeah.
0: Well, speaking of 935s in the Whittingtons, we may as well ask this. Um, so I heard... That, and I, this is documented, I believe, on the internet that... Um, so we did a podcast with Don Whittington. Oh, did you? In 2017. Same. Do you know what he's doing, by the way, these days? I know he was on motorcycles, playing with motorcycles. And sure, stuff. but do you know what his business is? No, what's he doing now? Running a private air uh, airport. Yeah, yeah, running a private airport in Fort Lauderdale. Well, he did that before, though, didn't he? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so you had a Whittington 935. We did. And uh, I heard that it was... Um, repossessed at Laguna Seca. Yeah, weird. it was confiscated. Yeah.
2: Yeah, different term, not did, repossessed. Confiscated. Yeah. Yeah. How did this go? He had made the payments. He, he, he well it was it was hilarious because we 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 So you're at the historics basically. We exactly. and actually we were at a private event in January. Okay. And there was probably a couple hundred 250 people there and was 25 this like guys. 6
0: years ago 7 years
2: ago? Yeah, I forget when it was yeah. now, but we we had Bruce ended up with a car Bruce, Bruce Meyer. Meyer. yeah, And then we restored it ground up, um, put it all back exactly the way it was at Le Mans, which was great because it wasn't far off, but we we did everything to it and I mean everything. It was turnkey track ready. You could do 24-hour Le Mans with it. That's how we restored it. This uh, is the 1979 overall winner. This is the overall winner. Yeah, Le Mans. Yeah. And then we got it done, and it went to Amelia Island, and it won a class there. And then it went to Pebble Beach, and it won a class there. And then in the fall, right around Thanksgiving of that year, the the Winningtons were back in the news, and the news was that that they you know the the DEA and all whatever raided everything in Fort Lauderdale at World Jet, and and I was getting all the information from Preston Hinn because we were friends. So Preston Hand goes, hey, your buddies are in, in trouble again. I go, what are you talking about? And he's sending me videos of the uh, from the news stations and newspaper articles, and I go. Oh, my God. And then at the same time, Albert Arciero's was seeing the same stuff because he had IndyCar teams, right? And yeah. those guys were involved in that. So Albert and I are talking about this is crazy, right? And then we just kind of decided, had to do something uh, to Bruce because on the news, it was saying they were out confiscating Whittington assets. Yeah. And 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 Bill was in Scottsdale. Yeah. And there was assets in Scottsdale and there was stuff in Durango, Colorado. And it wasn't just Florida. So we said, oh, this is perfect. So I hired, <laughs> I hired. A, you know, like friends do. I hired actors, well I went to hire act. first of all I, there was a movie producer that I had met through a lady named Annie Walker and the guy loved cars and had been here and everything and, and so I said Annie can he help us and so she hooked me up with him and and Annie was helping too. And Is it somebody we know? No, okay. I, it is, but I can't remember the name. But okay. yeah, anyway, no no so so he helped us. And then I says, you know what? And he said, well, these guys here, he says, these guys here, one of these guys was a special forces guy. And one was one was an, you know, an attorney, became an FBI guy. And the other was something else. They were all from military police kind of backgrounds. And he says, they have a company that in the movie industry provides the guns and all the stuff for the movies, right? And right everything. And they're yeah. bonded and all this stuff. You could just hire them. They can do it. They've done bit to parts. Do, to do what, Bruce Canva? <laughs> so we we actually rehearsed this. But but Jeez basically, Christ. the plan was... This is it de- a friend, by the way, Bruce Meyer. The, yeah, yeah you 40 yeah. years. 40 yeah. years. 40 yeah. Year yeah. Friend,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can I just ask what this what this joke <laughs> cost,
2: roughly? It didn't cost that much. Okay. R- r- roughly. I want to know what it cost. Let, let's finish yeah, the story,
0: yeah. and then we'll get to the
2: totals here. So, yeah, yeah. so basically... We had this event, and then and, and and the difficulties in this event. We had to. We said we can't rent a Denali or an Escalade, and that's all you rent anymore. We found a new black suburban in Bakersfield or Merced to or somewhere. Sort of poses a government car. Yeah. Okay. And then we and then a four door Dodge with small hubcaps in gray. We went everywhere to find just the right two cars. These guys showed... I like it. how this is the detail that you yeah. are looking for yeah. to be a believable... Exactly. Well, I told him, I said, look, this is not like Ashton Kutcher putting a prank on his buddies This says they're, they're a bunch of nimrods. They're, yeah. you know, the difference. I said, these guys, these guys will know the difference, right? <laughs> yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll figure out it's a prank immediately. <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. right, right. And I said, and there'll be people Bruce there... Myers, no
0: Jack Osborne. Wait,
2: well, there'll be people there with their security people, with or this that well whatever. that's it yeah it's a, a, yeah pretty high end profile right because well, the second
0: the DEA shows up yeah it's people are going to start calling lawyers yeah who are then going to probably actually call the DEA and be like I right. don't know what the hell you're so anyway with, so. they
2: they drove in to Laguna Seca okay Bruce Meyer be, or your no, DEA people no DA, we were all there already right. playing so with basically the race you guys. hired
0: a you hired an actual movie producer yeah to stage a fictitious DEA raid exactly
2: at at a track at day, a, a race private track, track day <laughs> yeah
1: to raid. One of the most famous Porsche race cars of all time. Exactly.
2: <laughs> okay. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes. So, so anyway, proud of yeah. so, so they roll in and go to the car, ask for Bruce Meyer, pull out, pull out. They, they had the, the, the Glocks were real Glocks. The badges <laughs> were real badges. You know, they they had a warrant from a real federal judge. You know, Wait, what com- a warrant? <laughs> How did they get that? I don't know how they got it. He got, it. People. Yeah, he's got a bankroll. He got hey, a bankroll. So, so, yeah. You know, and right. they to confiscate the car. Yeah, and, um, and and Bruce was like, you know, just at first he thought, you know, well they're just being nice guys, and then he realized, no, they're not being nice guys, and then they told him they're going to take the car, and and they're going to have to take it to this warehouse in Fresno or somewhere, and he'll have to get his attorney and get a court hearing and prove he owns the car, and right. probably right. within a couple of months he'll get it back. <laughs> <laughs> so and we had a tow truck show up, flatbed tow truck. <laughs> With with a with guy that and, and we didn't stage the tow truck. We we talked about whether we should tell him what's going on. We decided no. Yeah. So we 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 called a tow company. I said the tow company in Monterey with the dirtiest greasiest trucks is this company. Ah, uh, got gotcha. okay. And they showed up with a, yeah. a slide back carrier. Yep. Yep. All dirty greasy, all yeah. black. And the guy climbs out and he looked like a car thief. Yeah. Oh my yes. God. He was perfect. You yeah. couldn't yeah. have done yeah. better. Right. And he, and he didn't even know how to load this thing. He's got J hooks, right? Like. Oh God. Know, so yeah. So we we asked. I asked the the officers, if I could load the car and bring my crew in to do that. And yeah. we did this whole thing. It went on for hours. <laughs> and, Jesus. and, and then they, then and I'm they, assuming Bruce Meyer's is a nice guy. He's a really nice yeah, guy. Yeah, I course. met him once. And, and he was lovely. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't and, deserve this. Yeah. So <laughs> then they slowly drove out and I told him, go out, go down to highway 68, park in the parking lot for 20 minutes and then come back. Yeah. So as they roll and this went on and on, there was a bunch more to it, but it, <laughs> basically after they leave, he goes, I, he says, "Should I call the CHP commander?" And and they had <laughs> because already... because that's what you have at this kind of event is actually connected people. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, and Bruce
0: people. Yeah, yeah. Bruce yeah. was president of the
2: 1199 Foundation, of and, yeah, he, yeah. and the commander's a friend of his. <laughs> and 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 he, he had already said that once before to to the to the main guy, the guy that looked like the, I assume he dropped that
0: immediately. Yeah, hey, yeah, man, well, this is guy, for real. not
2: immediately, but he said, you know, I'm friends with the commander of the CHP. I'm the president 1199, and he didn't do it in a, in, a, in a
1: more in like, a, hey, I wouldn't have this legally. Yeah,
2: really, <laughs> a nice right? way. Yeah. I'm not a criminal. And, yeah, kind of thing. and the guy looked. He, said, Meyer, he says, "Mr. he says you're welcome to call your your friend at the CHP. You're welcome to call your attorney." But he said, "Just a so you know," agent. he said, "This is a federal matter, and they have no jurisdiction." <laughs> Are these like improv actors? <laughs> yes. But these are guys that did all <laughs> That this. did all yeah, this, right. so they know yeah. how to They're not improv actors. Oh, yeah. so they, they, but they know how to, yeah. yeah. yeah they've because they've actually it. been through they've this conversation. Through, yeah. 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 This, yeah. This, yeah. Is this is, is what they did in their life, yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> so that's what they told him. Then he was like, he was paralyzed. He didn't know what to sure. do. Then, then after they start driving away and he sees his car leaving on oh. this flatbed carrier, he says, should I call him? I says, yeah, call him. So he calls the guy up. The commander was actually irritated that he hadn't called them when they first got there right okay. where so are they know about this. no where no, are yeah. they going what are they doing Bruce I mean what, what I said it's a black tote because I knew it wasn't going on the highway <laughs> right, right. it's a black tow truck it's a flatbed and he, and I said look they can only go two ways you either got to go one to right. Monterey and get on one yeah. or they got to go 68 yeah. to right. Salinas, Salinas. Yeah, and yeah. they said they're heading to Bakersfield or Fresno you know so this guy's calling out all the high patrol guys to yeah. go stop those guys and talk to them right yeah. and make sure everything's Meanwhile, okay he's like hidden in turn five yeah, yeah it's yeah. just parked around the corner Yeah, yeah. yeah. right and that was the first time I thought, you know, I could be in some <laughs> over this tail now. Oh you know, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he called a real guy. Rounded yeah, up yeah, and yeah, chasing down this yeah. break. impersonating an officer
0: is kind of a crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Redirecting so twenty minutes resources. later, the
2: truck's starting to come back. Bruce is still on the phone with the commander, and and he's still on the phone. And just they're just like.
0: I like how at this point you're like, no, I'm Keep not, not back. Keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see where this goes. <laughs>
2: they're coming back. I want to see And Bruce goes, wait yeah. a minute, they're coming back. They must have forgot something. So, and I had told those guys when they left to go really slow. Oh, yeah. So you had to painfully yeah. <laughs> watch this and come back really slow. Yeah. So they come back, and they're driving in. And, of course, then we all cracked up. You we know, <laughs> just couldn't hold it anymore. <laughs>
0: so to Ryan's question, are we talking more or uh, over or under six figures?
2: Oh, under six figures. Of a prank. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: But high into the
2: fives. Uh, no, no, no. It was yeah. way less than that. We know daily rates. We, we had a whole know, bunch, of, we we a whole bunch of
0: people that wanted to be part of this. Okay, well, So let me tell you my real fear if I was you. <laughs> Ryan, yeah, if I prank you, yeah. what's going oh, yeah, to happen to me? It's coming right back. Right. Yeah. Is it going to come back bigger? Yeah, oh, absolutely bigger. Right. So yeah, now yeah. what's your concern?
1: Yeah, it's going to come back even bigger. This yes.
0: is
2: mutually assured destruction. Yeah, It's yeah.
0: only going to go— This is going to get worse until one of us so- dies exactly. or goes to jail. Yeah,
2: or we lose a pet. Well, but I figure Bruce has been planning this— but you know he's he's getting a little older and he's failing. No, so, but you've got to. You know, and now he, he, we know that. He, yeah. <laughs> he's forgot <laughs> half of it already. Right.
0: <laughs> but if like, so side. like, if we because now, I yeah. mean, you don't necessarily know our reputation, but like, if we become friends with Bruce Meyer. Yeah, you should be you should be scared of this. Right. I should, huh? Yeah, yeah, I should be a little worried. You, do I look scared? No, <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. Yeah. That's on you, though.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, it was uh, yeah. it was as much fun as we could have. And
1: again, just to reiterate, this is the 1979 overall Le Mans winning Porsche 935. There's a great
0: podcast talking about that very Le Mans win. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what's
1: that car worth?
2: Oh God, staggering amount of money. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And yeah. you're like, yeah, put it on this crappy yeah. toe dirty tow truck, toe truck yeah, that I hope you like. with J hooks, which <laughs> is <laughs> like the most generic thing. It's not at all. It's not a ratchet strap yeah, yeah, with proper yeah. axle straps. We, we did. We did add uh, those. You guys so. added them. In. Yeah. We added yeah. In those. Yeah. But guy, can you imagine the guy showing up and he's like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good
2: God. Okay. No, that, that was, uh, you know, th- Thanks to the Whittingtons, they gave us an opportunity to do the prank of a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) I told Bill later, he said, if you didn't do all that, we couldn't do this. we didn't do that. He said, that's not real. We didn't do any of that. Yeah, that's exactly what he told us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah.
1: And then we had dinner with Randy Lanier that night. And he's like,
2: yeah, I bought Road
1: Atlanta from them. (laughs) (laughs) Why? To launder money. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Randy. So your racing career, at least on the sports car side, it kind of like comes to, at least publicly from
2: what I could find, like mid-80s. I don't see any more stuff. Yeah, late and drove 962s at the end and yeah. And then, you know, my business was growing. You're right. That's what and, I figured. And really, in early eighties, I had a chance to do some other things. Well, JD wanted me to race full time, <laughs> and and the mining business was booming. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it was yeah, booming. Yeah, it, it was really booming. Yeah, I'll tell you one story about that. That was funny. Yes. So Neil Bond and I went with JD to go to one of the mines, <laughs> and the The people were the people were coming from the Netherlands to see what was going on because all it was was money coming from the Netherlands <laughs> and nothing going back. Weird. So we go with him and we're in a helicopter, <laughs> and we see these those big earth mover dump truck things, those monsters. Yeah, they're hauling the coal up to the mountain. they're hauling it up to the men that that seems to not be how that's supposed to work (laughs) so they're up there don't look at that they're up there there staging right? they're up there staging this whole thing so that when when they came from the the Netherlands to look at this all this stuff's there and it's going to be hauled out in these trucks right? and that's what they were doing it was a complete dog and pony show and and those guys came over, and they, when they came over, there was all this concern that they were going to be all pissed off, and you know, no more money, and this and that. Next thing you know, they see all these trucks going down the mountain, and didn't see miner going, and all this stuff and everything. And 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 then they show up in the next race, and they're all wearing J.D. Stacy cowboy hats, and they all got cigars, and they all got boots, and everything. He he owned them all. Yeah. And it
1: went all there's and a there's and a rumor you don't use a briefcase, you use a milk
2: crate. It's not a milk crate. <laughs> It's a plastic box. Okay. Okay. Well, I got too much to put in a briefcase.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. I take home a pile and I bring back a pile and it's done. So we have these things called computers now. They're
2: amazing. I know, but everybody, anybody, <laughs> I like can, that you're, anybody you're, can do that. You're sheepish about it. You're like, <laughs> uh, it's not a milk crate. <laughs> yeah. And anybody can do a computer. Okay. Everybody does a computer. Sure.
0: All right. So I want to talk some customer stuff and I want to talk some, some uh, historic stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right. So just generic customer stuff. Um, Okay, we talked about you'll turn me away if I say I've only got this much money and it's not what you think it's worth um, or if I say this is the timeline let's say I've got the money and I'm okay with the timeline but I'm clearly an idiot are you gonna sell to me
2: um and when I, I say I, idiot, I, don't, I, I don't, don't
0: mean I don't mean like I don't know what I'm doing because that's that's an acceptable amount of naivety right I'm saying I'm actually an idiot by telling you how smart I am
2: well, we get that anyway. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. I assume that's rampant in this business. <laughs>
0: yeah. And so my point is like, at what point? Because there's a, there's a spectrum of know-it-all. Right. And there is a point where are like, oh, fuck, you're not going to be worth whatever you yeah. give me. No.
2: And, and look, when I started my business, you didn't have options to say no, right? Sure. You did whatever you had to do yep. to survive. Yep. And I said for a lot of years, it paid bills and, and put food on the table and not much more than that. Sure. But it was my passion, so I didn't really care. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? um but now I have the luxury when somebody comes with something they want to do that makes no sense or we're the wrong person to do it to say no. Right. And, and I've had plenty of people bring me a car and say, I want to restore this car. I want to do this. and I say, no, it's you're and, le- and yes, you're doing this out of pure passion. You're just throwing away the money. And, and in a lot of cases, you bought the wrong car. If you're going to do this, we need to go find this donor that's not rusted, not been wrecked, not been abused. We start with a good donor, not a bad donor. And I mean, I even had a guy bring me a 959 that had been crashed to make it into one of our SCs, and I said no. Mm-hmm. And um, and he and he was going to spend, I mean, he spent a fortune redoing it, but I said no. So, you know, I I... I you know I, I I value things you know both from the quality of the thing but also the the financial investment in it and I don't want to see a customer because somebody's going to tell him that guy screwed you you yeah. should never put that money in that car right it's not going to be him it's going to be somebody else and and there's enough expertise in the world it's not going to be one person tell him it's going to be a whole bunch of them that tell him so for me it's like look if I know better I'm not I'm just going to tell him no and we've we've turned plenty of stuff away and we're in a position now. There's 60 projects active in this shop, mm-hmm. 60, and, and that's my that limit. Low, honestly. I, I, well, but that's, that's yeah. what I cap it at, yeah. you know? And so <laughs> we get stuff all the time. Would you build this for me? No. Would you build this? No. We're the wrong guys to do it. You should go here. You shouldn't do that. You should do this. I mean, we, yeah, I just tell them all the time. I so. said the power of no is really Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. so. Um, a three-year process on a, a seven-figure project leaves a lot of ways for somebody to get disappointed. Um, is there a process to, cause there's always like, I, I think about my own business, which is wildly different, but also still in this sort of subjective creative decision, whether something is the right way to go or not. Um, there's always a balance between giving somebody too much information on how things are going versus not enough so that they get the result and all of a sudden they're not happy.
2: Well, you have to, you have to weigh that with each customer. Yeah, there's not not a set guideline some people so. do, you don't want to tell them stuff they don't you don't want them to see stuff and other people that need more information and yeah. and and uh you know some people want to be very actively involved in what's going on some some don't so, do you have people that are in the blank and all of a sudden they get it three years later and they're unhappy very little really mm-hmm. yeah I mean usually we've been for, of course if you do the product right and it's not by accident then yeah. You, you don't see much of that problem. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we've got people that, that got into it and decided, you know, I, I'm not. But most of them, I've told them up front, you need to have this much time. I said, everything automotive is a long term investment yeah. anyway. It's not a short term, it's not the stock market. Right. And I said, don't buy it if you're just buying it to flip it. I said, buy the cars, buy a car because you love it. Buy a car because you want to use it and, and whatever else. And, and I said, if you buy the right car, it'll take care of itself. It'll be a good long-term investment. So I try to guide people in that regard. Other people don't do that or just sell them because they say, you just lost a deal. You could have sold that guy that car and you right. told him not to buy that car. So, yeah. so you know, it's, uh, um, but I don't need to do that, yeah. you know. And I never did that because I, w- I do not want to sell somebody a car that I wouldn't buy for myself mm-hmm. under his conditions. If I say, knowing what he wants, that's not what I would want to buy. Right. So right. I tell him why he shouldn't buy it. All right. So,
0: Monterey Historics happen every August, and you're sort of the honorary mayor, as far as I understand, <laughs> of, the, of the historics. Um, on a generic level, like if, so we have a spectrum of listeners, you know, people that right. like <clears throat> dirt racing and stock cars and road racers. What makes the historics such a special event out here?
2: Well, it's, it's a couple of things. Um, it's Car Week, number Ooh, one. Monterey Car Week. I honorary mean, it's, right, yeah. there's, there's not more energy for cars in the world than there is in that week there. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's Laguna Seca. Yeah. And I said, you know, I've been to a lot of tracks around the country, drove on a lot of tracks at different times. You know, you come back to Laguna and the elevation changes, the, the challenges in the corners, everything there is as good as anywhere, you know, and better than most, okay? And look it's always been in the top five if there's a vote of five best tracks in the world or the top ten if there's a vote of ten and it's the history it's the location and and you know i i tell people i said this is this is like the best beachfront property in malibu or the best property in pebble beach or the best property wherever with a racetrack on it i mean moderate temperatures almost year-round you know monterey you know, it's lots of things to say around. Where is there a nicer place in the world to go yeah. and have a racetrack? Yeah, most racetracks are put in somewhere where you don't want to go. Exactly right. So <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's all of that, and I'm just fortunate that I was born close to it, and yeah. and I put a lot of time in it over the years, working with it and stuff, and and more now. I'm I'm involved in Sport with Porsche, and yep. and yes, the historics. I'm heavily involved in the historics, and yep. and uh, you know. And a bunch of other things are going on, so we'll see. So, so the
0: historic's Sport, again, very much your domain. You are a man with an eye with detail, and you 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 know the look of what you're looking for. Cheater vintage cars. I'm heard I've heard that you are the, you are the sheriff. I'm well, a cheater, What is so a cheater th- vintage car? Well, first of
2: all? you know th- this is we we have a selection committee. Okay. And it's and it's an incredible group of guys. I, I put it together, but it's 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 Bill Warner's on it, Chris McAllister, Patrick Long. Yeah. Um, Andy Prill in England, Scott George from Revs. So, we have an incredible group of guys that are part of our selection committee. And, you know, we're all looking like, you know, we're looking at all these other facilities around the world, whether it's Goodwood or whether it's, you know, Lamont Classic or whatever, and, and then all the other races in the United States with historic cars. And it's kind of, you know, bring what you got, build what you want. Yeah. Um, you know, I was at Goodwood for the members' meeting, and Dario was driving a GT40. And um, he said, Bruce, he said, there's two GT40s in this group that are real. There were seven GT40s in the race. Yeah, right, know. And um, so anyway, so we we took a different position because I said, learn to drive the car the way it is and the way it was. And I said, you know, it's all relative, right? So learn to drive what you got. And so we basically decided, look, let's, let's go against the grain in historic racing in the world because what's happening now is the guys with really valuable cars are leaving them home. Yeah. You know, they're not going to bring a Ferrari GTO and race it against this modified, hot rotted right. never-existed something, right? Right. Yeah, and, 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 and so that's what's happened. And I said, look, I said, and, and for me, I said, I don't want to drive a 917 as fragile as they are. First of all, I don't want to get hurt anymore. I mean, get mm-hmm. through that when you're younger. <laughs> and I said, and this is not a car to get hurt in, it'll be worse than hurt. Yeah. And I said, and it's valuable. I don't, any, anything you do today and damage a car is not good history for the car. I mean, the good history is in the past. So so I don't want to ra- be out there racing the wheels off it to keep up with this guy with his fake or continuation Lola T70, right? right, right. That's worth 200 grand and this car's worth $20 million, let's yeah. say, so, so we made a, a decision amongst ourselves two years ago, that we were gonna pull it back to where it's original, legitimate, as-raced cars. Right. No compromises. Yes, if you can't, if it's a safer seat, we're fine with that. If there's better belts, <laughs> well, that's nice. it's fine with that. <laughs> if it has a roll bar and didn't in the future, <laughs> in yeah. the past, that's fine with that. Fuel sales. And fuel sales, but yeah. but other than the safety items- well, You will wear an open-face helmet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and cotton underwear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but other than, other than safety items, it's got to be like it was, yeah. yeah. Right down to livery, everything. Because and, and we haven't getting into
0: this all. trend where people have been souping their cars up to be more oh. competitive at a historic.
2: Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and we had a guy show up, and uh, and and we really are monitoring this. We have the you know our our sanctioning body is HSR, and we basically, you know, there was. And, and we've got stewards for each group. We assigned a steward for each group. We try to find a guy that really knows those cars, whether he can. To look into the
0: legitimacy yeah. of this, this car. So territory. one
2: guy had taken a late model Trans Am chassis and put a 70 Camaro body on it. Awesome. You know, and, <laughs> and, and, bad and, 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 and David came over to be hinting. And he says, how do you want to handle this? And he said, so he said, here's the two stewards. And here's pictures of what the car's supposed to be. Here's what it is. Da, da, da. I said, OK. I says, don't go to the owner because he's going to lie to you. So don't go to the owner, go to the guy that prepped the car because he's got 10 cars that he preps that are here. And I said, he's going to be the embarrassed guy. So go over to him and look him in the eye and say, you better tell me why that car's, you think it's legal. Because I said, otherwise it's going to embarrass you more than the owner. So he admitted. He said, oh, yeah, well, we didn't have a chassis, and it's all we could find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. went from a 70 to an 86 chassis. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, so da-da-da. Then he comes to me afterward, That the guy that was taking care of the car. He says, Bruce, you know, my car's totally legal. I said, you know, you understand now that you're under the microscope, yeah, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I said, why would I believe your car's totally legal when you took a customer's car and made it into what it was? Yeah. No, come look at my car. It's fine, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so and everybody... Everybody was fine with it. The owner was fine with it, but you know, you, that's the way we're doing it. What about inaccurate livery? No, we, we I've heard this is
0: a huge trigger for you.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, cars need to be as they raced in terms of livery. Livery, oh, yeah, yeah, in the day. So, if if your car, if, let's say we have a class that's uh, seventy-two to eighty-one, eighty-two non-ground effects cars. You know, so it could be a seventy-two nine eleven ST, and it could be a nine thirty-five right in the group. RSRs in between, BMW M cars, whatever. They need to be exactly they were in the day and when they raced period. Every part of it. Now, if you got a car that had a bad guy as we—I j- just had this conversation today. If you got a car that had a bad guy as an owner that went to prison or this or that, okay, leave his name off the car. No, no, no. That's the one you <laughs> that, put that, on, yeah, that sir. That yeah, needs to be changed. Yeah. So, but some guys, you know, just from business standpoint and stuff. Yeah. But they don't want Bin Laden air on yeah, the Williams. Yeah, but, <laughs> but other than that, the cars, the cars, and we just went through this with Sport because you got cars, guys have bought a later GT car and then re it the way they like it. Yeah, right. Right, yeah. and we said no. You got to put it. It it was five different liveries, let's say, in 10 years, but it's got to be one of these. And it needs to be in its configuration everywhere else for whatever livery you pick. So if you... But anyway, that's that's part of it. I mean, because people walk up and that's the history, right? You see this car and you say, "That's the way it raced in yeah. 1950 or 60 or 70 or 80, whatever it was." And uh, um, so, yeah, we're you know, you can't show up with a, a red McLaren. I mean, an orange McLaren Can-Am car if it was never an orange team car, mm-hmm. it needs to be what it was. If it right. was, and we had that, we had a guy with an orange McLaren. We said that car was something Motorhomes was the sponsor, and the car right. was white. Put it back to that. How much? How much do you hate fake golf color liveries? Then. Well, where, where do you see them though? We don't see them. No, um, but like it's you, like the you most see them in yeah. all these street cars and stuff. Well, see, or yeah. I see
1: them in HSR races. You'll oh, see like yeah, the Golf
2: 911. You know. Oh yeah, whatever well that's a different. Yeah, I don't go to those races, so yeah. You know, it's um, um, you know, and, and in that stuff, honestly, I don't care. They can, you know, that's a, that's a form of flattery, right? They sure. they like golf. I mean, everybody likes golf colors, right? They're they're cool looking, so so it doesn't bother me that. But if 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 you're coming to Monterey, this is where you see original. Yeah. Period correct, livery correct, mm-hmm. and driven by guys that should be in them. Because we we look at the car and we look at the entrant, and if the entrant, you know, is we've we've banned a few people mm-hmm. and we've had to because we said, look, these first of all, a for, lot for for trailing away from the heritage. No, no, for okay. driving style, driving tactics, for being too aggressive or just being terrible, being terrible, <laughs> <You> <laughs>
3: know? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. too aggressive. Look, too aggressive. We tell you guys, look, this this is a gentleman's sport. Look, I race a 935 around there as fast as it goes. I mean, and if you look back, it's, it's as fast as they go. I'm still able to pretty much pedal it about the same. But I said, you know, if you start driving over your head and doing stupid things, you're out. And there is no touching in our, in our yeah, deal, yeah, sure. okay? And I said, it's, it's your responsibility to make a clean pass. It's not his responsibility if he moves over and you're there. I said, you have to have a place on the track to make a clean pass. And I said, if, if he collects you and you're anywhere behind him, you're, you're at fault and you'll be out.
0: Are you familiar with Justin Marks and the track house team?
2: Yes. Relatively new to the, to yeah. the whole scene? Oh, yeah. All right. So he's
0: got this Project 91 car, and that is uh, a car that runs on road races with sort of imported drivers to make some high-profile stuff, so like Kimi Raikkonen recently. Yeah, I saw that. Um, we are big fans of Porsche driver Nick Tandy. Oh, yeah. Whose lifelong dream was to drive NASCAR. Right. If uh, Justin Marks, who's a big fan of our show, was listening Why would you tell Justin that Nick Tandy should drive that Project 91 car?
2: Well, he's um, first of all, he's got a tremendous amount of experience driving everything. He's got a lot of seat time in a lot of cars. And road race drivers, I mean, that's their specialty, right? So if you put him in a road course, it doesn't matter what he's in he's going to drive the wheels off it yeah. and um, and he can also party like a NASCAR driver. Yeah, and, and and he'll and he'll he'll adjust to the car quickly. It won't take him long to figure out what the NASCAR car is to drive. He'll he'll figure it out quicker on a road course than they would on something else, you know. So um yeah, I mean that's that's kind of a no-brainer. You know? So we'd normally um have every guest from our uh, our last guest ask a question
0: of our next one Right. we don't know who our next guest is going to be Right. Uh, at this point here in uh, May Yeah. Right. but um, if you're going to ask a generic question of now that you know kind of the format of our show and right. it's not always drivers sometimes it's, it's media commentators folks commentators those, yeah. if you're going to ask a generic question of anybody that's next on our show what question would you ask
2: what do you think we're going to have for a car after electricity fails after electricity fails he says yeah what does that mean? I think electricity fails. Interesting. So what do you think? I think, I think first of all, I think there's, in the marketplace, I think the amount of room in the marketplace for electric vehicles is pretty small. I said I think it has a practicality. And you live next to Santa Cruz. Yeah, well, that, I live next to it. Right. <laughs> next to it. That's the key word. Uh-huh, I understand. Yeah. It's a big word, too. Oh, to say I'm next aware to there. Hey. Anyway. Where's your skateboard? Look, so <laughs> I I look, I look at this thing and I say, Okay this this is a means to an end okay it's driven by politics that's that's affected culture yeah. okay it's not realistic it's not safe it's not sustainable and sure as hell not environmentally a good idea i said so so you know put all that aside okay so what's after that that's what I, and i don't know what that answer is but I know it's not electricity. And maybe there's maybe you have an electric car if your office is 20 mil, miles away and you go there with it and you drive it back home, but you're not gonna use that on the weekends. You're not gonna have fun in that. I drove a Tesla Plaid. Okay, it's a rocket ship in a straight line. I said, if I want a rocket ship in a straight line, I'll buy a top fuel car. Yeah. That's a rocket ship in a straight line. Yeah. I said, so what's the point of the thing? You know, it's heavy, it doesn't stop. You know, I said, it's, I said, you know this 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 world. And We're this like
0: ten miles from the Tesla factory. Yeah, by yeah the no, way. exactly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So. but you
2: think about it, we grew up. The biggest thing in our world is cars. Yeah, it is the biggest thing. I mean, it's it, it it's love. It's Sir. love. It's passion. <laughs> it's, it is. I mean, it's yeah. you know, and, and and here we are trying to basically eliminate that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we'll do autonomous here, and you get electric car here, and
3: yeah. we'll,
2: you know, and just just sit in the car and do this, right? right. Yeah. And so, speaking of that. Yeah, we'll, think, let you, we'll let you
0: go on here. but No, no, uh, no, that's
2: fine. But, but so, I, so that's my question because I don't think it's electricity for very long. I think it's a door that they went in and they don't even know to where to go from there. But
0: if you were going to answer your own question, you don't know. I don't know. So we have a close mutual friend uh, who challenged us and, and made a prediction that he's been 100% right on that in all of your talking you'll never say anything about your personal life. And uh, that's actually been true. Like uh, we, uh, you mentioned
1: the ex-wife a few times. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. the ex-wife, yeah. and
0: we've learned about the blacklist. So we we were challenged to see if we <laughs> yeah. can get anything out <laughs> of yeah. you on you a personal eat the same level. Same thing quite often. Yeah. So you eat. So you eat peanut butter sandwiches and salads. <sighs> what else? So I, I just want. I, well, I I, I, well, I, well, I want to deliver to our close friend. Yeah. That I have we've
2: got a few personal nuggets. Out I have of you. two children. <laughs> you have two children. Okay. And my daughter is a car fanatic. She's how old? She's thirty-seven. She's thirty-seven. And, and she makes and, margaritas. And I, that have you a, like. and I have a granddaughter. Okay. okay. And she's like gorgeous and funny. And, and it's the first. It, it's honestly, I have to be honest. It's the first thing in my life that can distract me from cars. Your really? granddaughter. Yeah. Being a granddaughter. Completely. Yeah. yeah being a granddad. Yeah. And not
0: being a father, by yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but being a granddad yeah. is totally fine. Yeah. 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 So, but <laughs> okay.
2: but my daughter and her, her husband—they're great. They live close by, and, yeah. and all I'll they, they do. do. And then, um, my daughter works for Google. Okay. And my son-in-law works for some other company doing something. I'm not even sure what. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
0: my idiot son-in-law. <laughs> he's not, though. Exactly he's, right actually, here, yeah. he's actually very
2: successful. But, uh, sure. but doing, he I don't know what he does. Yeah, I don't know what he does. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then my son lives in, in Southern California. Dude, he's 31. and uh, He's a personal trainer. Oh, oh cool. Right yeah, right. And he's gone back to school. To Where in Southern California? To, and he's, in, he's near Santa Monica. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, other yeah. side of the world. Yeah, to where I live. And then my right, ex-wife yeah. and I are like best friends. Oh, yeah. oh, you actually get along with your ex-wife. Oh, god, fantastic. Well, we, we've play? done vacations together with the kids, and <laughs> she comes up here, huh? You
0: did. You do vacations together now? Yes. No longer married. You still do vacations yes. together?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We're best friends. Okay. Look, I love my ex-wife, and and sure. she loves me, but you know, she just, just doesn't want to be number two to cars. Wow. You know. Okay. Too many demands. She yeah, she, right. she gave up on that. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. What if what you, if what if you're on vacation and you uh you, you you catch the eye of somebody else? Is that something you can do around the ex?
2: I've had girlfriends. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, we're look, I'm not with my ex-wife. We're just right. best friends. Yeah. yeah. It's harder for the girlfriend. Did you guys fight more when you were married or now? We didn't fight. Um I was look i was gone all the time at that time i had five franchises i had the trailer company yeah. when i was working seven days a week when was this i was trying to build a business yeah. when was this well we got married in the mid-80s and mean. and it was right in the middle of me trying to build my yeah, empire, yeah, right, sure. right. yeah, yeah. and that meant well, I was been seven days a week yeah. and yeah. and in the car business you know you're open at seven and you close at ten in the retail dealership business right. yeah. and back then it wasn't like you had armies of people yeah the owner was there all day making the deals right so yeah that's the life I was in and I, two days a week I was driving to Fresno to my trailer company where we still do that stuff there right. we still build the trailers but, yeah. but it was different and it and it wore it wore my family out sure, you yeah. know,
1: sure. So. are you spending more time with your kids now that yeah. things are slowed down and like
2: you can yeah. enjoy it and exactly yeah prioritize it yeah. so you look yeah. at your grand, so. do you already have a car picked out for, for the granddaughter I, I gave her a little Porsche already one and then I got her that electric one that they have so oh, yeah, like a, a which big wheel? Wheel? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like you'll drive something you about say, is there Doesn't a
0: can work. of a big wheel out there no Mm, I think it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so with, with, uh, you know, having some kids and this is an empire you've built here, where do you see the future of Canapa
2: going when you uh, move on? I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, the good thing is it's become a brand. Yeah, for sure. Know? So, yeah. but it still lives and dies on your detail. Yeah. But there's other people that have my detail. I'm not the only one. In the one. company? Um, in the company there's some people but there's people outside too that you know come into companies and, and bring new vision sure, and different it may sure. change some but, but uh, somebody's not going to come in here unless they see this understand it and want to extend it yeah. further you know so but your I'm granddaughter hoping might that be the I'm the hoping company. that happens your granddaughter and Pat Long yeah, yeah. yeah. and Pat Long there's a guy that he's got that vision yeah for sure
0: nah. Yeah. <laughs> what's he done? what has he done <laughs> yeah yeah
2: He's he's on our on our selection committee, too. He should be. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. He's great. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: He's all right. He's, so, yeah. <laughs> he's
0: done some stuff. What does he know about live events and historics? Yeah. yeah. And, like, actually cherishing a brand. Yeah. Not making and, it about himself. being a perfectly strong ambassador. Yeah. 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 Um, and responding to texts. <laughs> yeah. like, one of the best people we've ever worked with. Yeah. yeah. Continually.
1: So, uh podcasts will exist for quite a while. Someone might listen to this 5, 10 years from now or 20 years, whatever. What would you hope they take away as, like, a Bruce Canipa legacy from listening to this?
2: Um, what would they take away? Well, I think that within reason, you can kind of do anything you want to if you work at it. But you got to work at it really hard. I said, I look back, I had people here, I said, I look back and I said, there were years where it absolutely looked like there was no way I could make it. I was either I, I had I had debt trying to keep going I had this I had that there wasn't a market for what I was doing I couldn't figure out how people couldn't see what I was doing there's you don't do it without failures you don't do it without hard times at least I didn't yeah. and but you got to keep deciding I'm still going to do it and and, and I'm going to come out the other end somewhere and and you can but it's work I said you have to put in the time you have to get up every day knowing it's worth getting up and doing it and uh, that's all this is.
0: Yeah. I'd say on that note. Canapa uh, kind of got the check on this one. <laughs> but Continental got us here.
3: Meow.